Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 1157, air date December 28th, 2022. Good evening, everyone. It's Dr. Shiva Ayadure. Uh, we're going to have a very, very interesting discussion today on a number of topics, but primarily focused on what is white supremacy? What is white supremacy? Um, and the reason this discussion is going to be very, very important is because uh, many of you know that I recently put out a tweet uh, that went viral all over the Internet. I think it's got about 20 million views across all channels, um, essentially saying to Elon Musk that I would like to apply for this job to be Twitter CEO. That tweet then created all sorts of very uh, interesting conversations on the internet. One group of people are very, very excited uh, about my wanting to be CEO, looking at my credentials and all those great things. Uh, a, a number of those people are also very, very excited because they saw that I've been a free speech activist for many, many years. And then there was other people sort of very curious who I was, a whole bunch of new people. I think probably about 100 different news articles were published worldwide uh, about the events. And some of the events started uh, bringing back questions about the history of the invention of email. And I did a very interesting interview yesterday with the largest African TV channel. And we had this discussion. And the discussion was, why is there even a controversy about the invention of email when the facts are so obvious there's not even any dispute. And that led to a series of conversations that I had with a number of my very, very close friends who've known about the entire history of the invention of email and have looked at this very, very small group of people who unleashes vitriol, even though the facts are so apparent. And then those small group of people have an effect on other people to even question the apparent facts. So what we ended up really wanting to discuss is this question about white supremacy, which the real white supremacists do not want discussed. So if you talk about white supremacy, the reaction from the quote-unquote right is, oh, you're into the woke crowd. And then the quote-unquote woke crowd uses the word white supremacy actually against everyday poor white people. So they feel shunned, so they don't, they don't even talk about the issue of race. So there's a much more deeper discussion here that needs to take place. And I want to have a heartfelt discussion about this. We have two guests that are going to be joining us, and I'd like to just introduce them. Julie, how are you? I'm great. And, how are you? And John. And the reason I uh, uh, wanted to bring Julie and John here is because they're going to share their opinions as, quote unquote, white people, okay, on their view of this term white supremacy and the nuances there, and I'll bring them back. And the reality is that the real white supremacists do not want everyday people having a discussion on white supremacy. And that therein lies the real white supremacy. So I wanna take us through this discussion. I'm gonna put a number up here that people can call in. I think it's up on the uh, main slide here. If you see it, John, if you can just write it down and if you can create a banner on it, John, we'll put it. It's 857-997-9545. Please don't call in yet. 
9545. But we really want to probably have the first time in history an open public conversation on white supremacy. What is it? We want to take it out of the liberal elites who are for far too long, by the way, when I mean liberal elites of both the multiracial liberal aristocracy, who are for far too long controlled this conversation. And they're really, as you're going to find out, the real perpetrators of white supremacy. So we want to have this discussion. So I'm going to give you first a brief presentation. And then we're going to have some commentary from John and Julie. And then we're going to open up the phone lines. And we want all of you to participate in this discussion because we think it's extremely important to have this discussion because both wings of the establishment, the left and the right, really do not want to have this discussion. They want to use white supremacy as a way for the white supremacists to get away with their white supremacy. It's very interesting. And divide black people and white people and people of all races. Let me repeat that again. The real white supremacists want to get away with their white supremacy. And they do not want to have this discussion. So maybe a brown-skinned person who's experienced real white supremacy, and most of my friends are whites, okay, is probably the best person in this point in history to open this discussion. So that's what I'm excited about. And I hope we have this conversation about it. And one of the things I want everyone to do is to really listen to the process that we're going to go through. And it's a very deeply personal thing for me. And it may be very emotional for me because I've, I have actually been repressed from having this conversation for years. And John will tell you about this. So that's what we want to have. And I've been called a white supremacist. And John, you've been called a white supremacist. Am I right, John? Uh, that's correct. <laughs> right. John's been called a white supremacist. I've been called a white supremacist. Okay. Okay. So to all of you, you have to understand I've been on both sides. I've been called a white supremacist by the real white supremacist. So let's really now have a conversation. So let me begin this conversation to clear the decks and really define, you know, what is white supremacy? And I want to start this by the definition that the elites who are the white supremacists, the liberal elites, how they define white supremacy. Let me see everyone on, oops, uh, Instagram's okay. Huh. It says pause due to poor connection. Let me make sure everyone's okay here. Okay, there we go, right? So we wanna have a discussion on, hold on one second, everyone. We got people on Instagram and I don't want them to feel out of this. So I'm gonna do something here. I'm going to take them off Wi-Fi. I'm going to put them right on normal. Okay, there we go. All right. So they should be good. All right. So let's have this discussion on white supremacy, okay? And whether you're black or white, I can guarantee you none of you have had this kind of discussion. So let go of all your biases, your implicit biases. Just chill out and take a breather. If you need to meditate, do that. If you need to go get some ashwagandha, do that. Whatever you need to do, we're going to have a conversation. And I want all of you to be able to participate in this conversation because it is really the future, not only of this country, but the world. And there's a small set of people over in a place called Harvard University who for far too long are the real white supremacists have been controlling this discourse. Okay. So let me begin by 
sharing my screen so I can share with you a little presentation I put together, okay? Now, this presentation says, who are the real white supremacists? And it says, time for conversation. John, can everyone see this? Yes. T beyond left and right, okay? So let's see what I'm talking about, Left, beyond left and right. So if you're on the left or the right, let go of that. If you want to stay stuck in the left and you think you're a woke person, oh my God, Shiva's on our side. He's talking about white supremacy. Well, you're going to find out you're wrong. And if you're on the right and you think, oh my God, Shiva is now uh, using the race card. Well, you're wrong. Okay. Because all of you have been brainwashed from both wings of the establishment. Okay. So you have some people talking about Antifa and you have some people talking about wokeness. Let's really now take a fresh look at it. So if you need to take a little piece of white, clean paper and put it in front of you in your brain so you can meditate on that, whatever it is, let's clear our brains, okay? Let's start with a clean sheet. I guarantee you it's going to help you, okay? And again, all of you, black, white, red, green, left, right, I want all of you to participate in this conversation. It's going to be a historic conversation. So let's go into this. So who are the real white supremacists? Time for a conversation beyond left and right. And as many of you know, when I put this out, I put a tweet out and I said, anyone, anyone who has, who gets upset and listen very carefully, who has a visceral, instinctual upsetness, uncomfort when they see a picture of this brown immigrant kid in Newark, New Jersey, inventing email, the very thought of that, if you have a visceral reaction to that, you are a white supremacist and you can be of any color. There are a lot of Indians in India who are actually white supremacists. In fact, I don't know if you know, there is more skin whitening stuff sold in India than even Coca-Cola. Those people are white supremacists, okay? So I just want to let you know that we want to take there are some people who see this brown immigrant kid's picture with the invent and they just have a visceral reaction. And that is what we want to probe and we want to reflect on that. That's what's called implicit bias. Where is that coming from? And even if they were laid out all the facts, the very thought of that bothers them. Okay, so let's go into that given that background. All right. So let's first of all go into this. First, first of all, how do the white supremacists define white supremacy? Okay. Can you see this, John? Mm -hmm. And Julie, this mm -hmm. is a definition. I just looked it up in the Merriam-Webster. White supremacy, the belief that the white race is inherently superior to other races and that white people should have control over people of other races. And then they do this interesting thing. The alt-right is a reactionary, a reactionary conservative movement. It is characterized by an embrace of fascism, white supremacy, white supremacy, and misogyny. So now they basically said that they're basically targeting working class poor whites with that commentary. Okay, and they're not talking about the white supremacists who we're going to talk about: the few, the bold, the supreme at Harvard University and places like that. So they're just saying the white supremacists are these alt right people. And then the second one they say is the social, economic, and political systems that collectively enable white people. You see, very clever, collectively enable white people. They're not talking about 
the multiracial aristocracy, predominantly whites at Harvard, they're saying all white people to maintain power over other races. You notice how they talk about systems there, which is very interesting. You'd think right. that, you'd, but if you ask any of these people to uh, help define Let me what finish, that John, system, John, John, if you're going to hold your thoughts, okay? Totally. Right. Um, and it says, William Kelly turned his considerable intellect and imagination to the question of what it is like to be white in this country and what it is like for all Americans to live under the condition of white supremacy. So they are basically saying very cleverly that all white people are white supremacists, right? To hide the real white supremacy. So this is a very, very clever definition. So in the dictionary written by some white, real true white supremacists at Harvard, they have basically said all white people are white, basically white supremacists. And that the alt-right, a smaller group of people, which is not the small group at Harvard, they're the ones who are the true white supremacists. So I just want to emphasize that in the mainstream definition, all white people collectively, because they have power, predominantly over the world, that they're all white supremacists, all right? Exactly, and some says they have black people believing it, and that is precisely the goal, to divide in this very fucked up definition of white supremacy to get black people and white people fighting, all right? But I just wanted to let you know that this is the official definition that kids are learning, okay? Now, let me give you, as someone who has actually been called a white supremacist, <laughs> and actually endured white supremacy, the real definition, as someone who's not been sort of mentally masturbating at Harvard University writing crap and doing all these nuances, okay? Here's the definition, white supremacist, this is what it is, a weapon of the liberal elites to divide black and white people of all races to cover up their day-to-day -day economic exploitation of all people. Let me read that again. This is what a real white supremacist or white supremacy is, a weapon. It's a weapon. A white supremacist is literally a weapon who comes from the liberal elites to divide black and white and people of all races to cover up their day-to-day -day economic exploitation of all people. And by the way, being white is not a prerequisite of being to being a white supremacist. All right? So just look at that definition. We're really saying that the white supremacist or white supremacy is actually a weaponry that's used. So you say this enough to a bunch of poor working class kids, you're a white supremacist, you're a white supremacist, you're a white supremacist. John, what did you say, say happens to them when they hear that over and over again? What happens to young white people when they're constantly called white supremacists and they go out of their way to try to prove, no, we're not white supremacists, and then they, but they still get called it no matter what. They're just shoved into that box. What happens is some of them essentially give up and say, okay, I guess we're white supremacists now. And then they'll go marching around with tiki torches and like get, doing Roman salutes and saying, yeah, yeah, it's the it's that group of people that's the problem. It's that group of people that's the problem. They get really, really resentful, but not actually, but, um, uh, but they end up getting manipulated by the elites into being becoming the exact boogeyman that they've sort of been shoved into the box right and then whenever those incidents occur the real white supremacists love that because they can yep. point to them and say see those white supremacists over there yep and then black people get enraged and you have everyday working blacks and whites fighting against each other yep so all right so so once that's clear let's go back to our 
me bring back uh, Julie, okay? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. this is a definition. Mm -hmm. What are you guys saying? It's a weapon of the liberal elites. So let's all, everyone listening, write this definition down. This is real white supremacists to divide black and white people of all races to cover up their day-to-day -day economic exploitation of all people. Basically, white supremacy is a pillar of economic exploitation. And being white, by the way, is not a prerequisite, as we're going to find out, okay? So the next thing is white supremacists, the real ones, behave as follows. Declare all, that all progress is because of whites, all good things come from whites, and all great innovations come from whites. And, the, and these are the same people who are at places like Harvard, right? And the reason they need to do that is that they need to make sure that the working class whites feel a little more superior to their black working class brethren. So they, they're always feeling better, a little better. Maybe they get paid 10 cents more a little bit and they keep people fighting. So they feed into one strata of society to make them feel quote unquote better and that is part of the very interesting conundrum here. They feed this propaganda. But when you go and you really look at this, they, these white supremacists actually believe this. And I'm going to show you one of them, a guy called Walter Isaacson. And he is a liberal white elite, as liberal white as you can get, who's a founder of the Aspen Institute, was at the Wall Street Journal, you know, within the Harvard crowd. And you're going to see that. He is the real white supremacist. Not me, not all the working class white people I know who always keep getting called white supremacists or racist. This guy is a white supremacist. And the number of white supremacists are a handful. All right, so let's really, and, and you know, I'm gonna say the punchline here. The way we're gonna end racism is when everyday white people and black people call out the real white supremacists using that word. And we'll come back to that. But unless that's not done, they're going to be dividing us. So let's go back to this, okay? So again, the, the real white supremacists really believe this, that all progress is because of whites, all good things come from whites, and all great innovations come from whites. And white supremacists survive on pitting blacks against whites. That's how they survive. As long as we're fighting against each other, they're good. As long as they... Some strata of white people, yeah, we are better than those blacks. You know, black people didn't contribute anything. Brown people didn't. But we're better because we were told that. Mm -hmm. And white supremacists call poor and working class whites white supremacists to hide their white supremacy. All right. This is a feature of the real white supremacists. They actually call poor and working class whites white supremacists. All right. Now, the real white supremacists are the liberal elites of many colors in liberal institutions such as Harvard. So I'm giving you a location of where these white supremacists are. I'm giving you a longitude and a latitude of where the real white supremacists are. They're not in the trailer parks. They're not the quote unquote rednecks in the South. They are, as this definition says, they are the liberal elites. And I've experienced their white supremacy. So all of you people who think I'm talking, I'm talking about the quote unquote woke people are the real white supremacists who per perpetuate that woke stuff. And that we should call them out as white supremacists. And you're going to see shortly why I'm going to give you a, a very powerful definition shortly. Okay. Now, 
White supremacists deliberately rewrite history, and this is what they do it. They conceal the truth, and they brainwash people to react uncomfortably to the facts that go against white supremacy. Let me repeat that again. White supremacists deliberately rewrite history. They conceal the truth, and then they brainwash people of all colors, all colors, to react uncomfortably to facts that go against white supremacy, okay? Well, let me give you a direct example. We'll come back to this, you know. John was kind enough to print out the actual copyright notice that I received from the United States government on August 30th, 1982, okay? This is an actual legal document that declares that I formalized my invention at a time when copyright was the only way to get protection for software. I have that document that says I am the inventor of email. But I'm called a fraud because it came from Newark, New Jersey. Now, if I was maybe blonde, blue eyes, white, and I was holding up the same document, but the invention came out of Harvard University, I would be called an innovator, the inventor of email. But when I show this document, in spite of these facts, the white supremacists don't even want to talk about it. I'm talking about the actual historians. Facts don't matter. What's that? Facts don't matter. Facts don't matter. Yes, this is what I'm talking about. They have a visceral reaction. And that's why this, I I want, again, we're going to come around to this. So they have a, so white supremacists deliberately rewrite history, conceal the truth and brainwash people to react uncomfortably to facts that go against white supremacy. This fact goes against the white supremacy concept that after you go to MIT and Harvard, and you can drop out, you can have your, you can be smoking weed and you can have big glasses and scruffy. Oh yeah, that's cool. You can be inventor. But if you actually have the actual documentation, right, this doesn't mean anything. But white supremacy at Harvard and MIT, I got this patent. I got this patent. I got this patent. That survives. All right. So let's continue. All right, let's go here. So this is the features of white supremacy. White supremacists deliberately rewrite history, conceal the truth, and they brainwash people to react uncomfortably to facts that go against white supremacy. Now, the invention of email is a profound case study to observe the mechanics of how white supremacy operates. So we have an amazing opportunity right now, everyone, because you have the inventor of email. Typically, guys like me die, and then they rewrite the history. The problem with the white supremacists at MIT, at University of Wisconsin and all these places, I'm still alive. So typically, someone else makes, creates something, white or black, that's not anointed by their institutions, and they rewrite the history. But they got a major problem because I'm still alive. And I've experienced stuff before MIT, outside of their institutions, and within their institutions. So we can checkmate this. Mm-hmm. for all people and bring people of all races together by seeing who the real white supremacists are, okay? All right, so let's continue. So let's talk about the invention of email. Some of you may may have heard about it, but I'm going to walk you through. Now assume that you're not a white supremacist. You don't have this visceral reaction when you see this face 
you know, as a young 14 year old kid, if I were to show you the picture, like if you were to actually see the actual picture of that 14 year old kid, let me bring it up here. So if I were to show you this, and I just want everyone to reflect a little bit, particularly those people who get a visceral reaction, okay? I'm just gonna throw up this picture and I want you to just look at this picture and just look at it for a second. And if you have a visceral reaction to this picture, a brown immigrant kid inventing email in Newark, New Jersey. And if you, oh my, and, and the facts are right there. The copyright is there, the picture is there, the code is in the background. But all you see is this dark skinned brown kid and you have a visceral reaction to that, you are a white supremacist. And I can tell you, there's a lot of light skinned Indians in India Oh my God, uh, only, uh, there, there's no way an Indian could invent email. They're white supremacists. You don't have to be white. So if you're white, don't think I'm calling you a white supremacist. I'm saying if people have a visceral reaction to this, an instinctive, they get upset, uncomfortable. All right? That's what I'm talking about. That is an indication of that white supremacy. All right. So let's go back. And let's walk through the facts now. So if you can get over that, if you can get over that visceral reaction, and then if we were to actually look at the facts, so I'm going to walk you through the facts right now. I'm going to actually walk you through the facts of the invention of email. Now that you've, even if you did have a visceral reaction, you're willing to sort of let go and say, okay, I'm going to let go of this and I'm going to listen to this. And now we're going to walk through the actual facts. Then we're going to talk about when the facts came out, how the white supremacists actually reacted, how I had to fight back, including educating people. And then I'm going to share with you another picture. And I'm going to ask you the question, if there was a different photograph with different circumstances, would I even be having to do this conversation? Okay. Julie, and before I go through that, Julie and John, do you want to make any comments? Julie, you haven't said anything. Would you like to make um, any comments? By the, no. way, by the way, uh, Julie is in, I've just met Julie. I saw her on a comment on Twitter and she made a very insightful comment and she's not left-wing woke, right? You're mm -hmm. actually very, people would call you a conservative. Go ahead, mm -hmm. Julie. Why don't you talk about that observation that you made? Um, I was delighted to see the your video post this morning, and uh, when I clicked on it, uh, the first part of the uh, interview was talking about you're the inventor of email, and uh, Mr. Tomlinson's name came up, and just kind of the the discourse about um, how he was, you know, when it is obituary that he got through the New York Times was tagged as the um, the founder of email. And then you were discussing that. And, and in the discussion, you brought up white supremacy. So when I, I knew that, like you were saying, that I knew that that would trigger a certain, you know, populist, perhaps it would just, they wouldn't finish watching what you had to say, that, that they were just triggered by that. And I wanted to highlight in my comment, um, just to clarify that when you, you know, you're, you're coming to white supremacy, um, that it truly is 
within the academia elitist world that are the true white supremacists. Thank you. And I, and yeah. So I wanted, so I knew that there might be a visceral reaction and, you know, some people didn't even catch it or even, um, you know, notice, but I, I really wanted to highlight that in the comments and make that yeah. observation. So, um, I think uh, you're bringing up the most important point, right? Mm -hmm. What we want to understand is that we have intelligent people who can actually understand this nuance. And that's why we had it. And, and until we have this nuanced conversation, the real white supremacists are going to get away. Yes, yes. So let's let's let me continue. OK, thanks, Julie. Mm -hmm. so let me continue uh, with the discussion here. All right. So I'm going to share with you now the facts of email. OK. And some of you may have seen this. It's going to be a review, but it's good to review things because you can now share the story with others. So let me go to the facts of the invention of email. OK, so let's just jump into it. OK. Look, I was brought in two worlds. So these are the indisputable facts. Everything here, you could hire as many historians and you could go check every one of these facts. Okay? So first is, I grew up in Bombay. I was born an Indian kid in Bombay in December 2nd, 1963. And I was born into a low-caste Indian environment. India has a caste system, primarily based on your color. And I didn't know that as a kid. I thought everyone was my friend until one day when I went to my friend's home and his mother wouldn't let me into his house. And that's when I found out I was a like the, you know, a shudra, which is the N word in India. His mother forced me out of the house, a four year old kid, gave me water in a different cup. And I didn't know what the hell was going on. It deeply, deeply hurt me. And that's when I asked my mom and my mom said when she was a child and she used to go to the well to get water. They would chase her away, treating her like a pig, like shoo, shoo, pig, get away. And so that's when, as a kid, I had to start understanding what the hell is going on in this world. This kid was my friend. And now I'm realizing that I'm not the same as him. And that led into me understanding political systems. So I led, I read everything on the left wing, on the right wing, everything. Starting as a very young child, and I would listen to these stories. But I also grew up in another world in this other world, not in Bombay, which is the city with all this diversity, but I also grew up in a small village where my grandmother, and these are some of the scenes of that village, was a poor village farmer. And she had no degrees. She was a shaman and she could look at your face. She had studied these ancient systems of medicine. She was, you know, the truly revered one in that village. Everyone came to her for healing. When a baby was born, they came to her for blessing. If the baby had this or that, she would figure out how to give it a massage or this. She would look at people's faces and figure out what was right for them. So I saw this profound woman who was a low caste Indian like me, but it was a healer and she had no degrees. So Elon Musk and all those people don't need to tell me that you have to have degrees. I already know this. Okay. I don't need to hear it from Elon Musk because I grew up around these people. This was my grandmother, my loving grandmother. So I was very curious as a kid how she was able to do this, how she could observe people's faces, how she studied this ancient system of medicine. So that set me, but I was always aware that I was a low caste Indian and that my caste at that time, the entire job of my caste, if I had followed that or my parents had, was to just pick coconuts from trees. You see, if you were 
a cleaner of toilets, you had to be a cleaner of toilets. It was all about the birth lottery. If you were a barber, your son had to be a barber. Well, my lineage was we used to pick palm tree coconuts. Now, my mom and my dad were radicals, revolutionaries, fighters. They broke from that. That's the genetic makeup that I come from. And this is not the genetic makeup of all Indians. Most Indians who come to America are actually truly racist. And they don't give a damn about the First Amendment. And many of them worked at Twitter. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. So one good thing Elon Musk did was get rid of Vijay Gade and the scumbag, whatever his name was. These yep. people are actually racist mm -hmm. and they hate the First Amendment. They hate America. They do. Okay? Mm -hmm. They actually hate me. They're the ones who deplatform me. Mm -hmm. The Indians at Twitter who deplatform me because I'm a low caste Indian to them. They are truly white supremacists. And they hate white people and brown people, particularly like me. So let me be clear the Indians who were running Twitter were actually white supremacists. Yes. Okay? Mm -hmm. And they're not white, but they are white supremacists. All right, so that's my background, okay? This is where I come from and I was aware of this. My family was very fortunate. My mom worked her butt off. She was supposed to be nobody. Her father left her when she was nine years old, eight years old. She grew up, she, her, her whole family was broken up. The fact that my mom even got a degree and a, degree in mathematics and masters is beyond one in a hundred trillion. But my mom was a fighter beyond 99% of the Indians I've ever met. She would never, never, ever support injustice of any kind. And so was my dad, much less extent, but he was a very, very smart person. Saw his first book when he was 11 years old under a mango tree. Those two people made it out of that oppressive environment. So I owe a lot to them. The reason I'm a fighter is because I know where they came from and I owe a lot to not only them, but to all the people in New Jersey who fought for me. So these are my parents. And because I knew where I had come from and the immense opportunities that America had, I worked very hard. By the time I was 14, man, not only I was a great baseball player and a great soccer player because I was good at athletics, I wasn't just this nerd, but I had finished calculus by the ninth grade. My high school had no more courses to give me. I ended up having this huge opportunity to go to New York University because there was a white person who actually came bottoms up and he said, wow, these young high school kids should have an opportunity to study software science, software engineering. And I was one of those 40 kids on meritocracy. And Julie and I talked about this, yeah. not on giving everyone's trophies. Man, mm -hmm. I was, I worked my butt off. I said, be until two in the morning doing calculus problems. I went, when I was ninth grade, I went to the 12th grade math courses. Graduated number one. All right. But you won't hear these stories because only Elon Musk is a quote unquote genius, right? You won't hear those stories. 
I have to present it. I have to fight for my thing because the white supremacists will not promote this face because it's going to break down all their superstructure. But I have to say that. And when I do that, I have to deal with the bullshit. Oh, he's egotistical. He's arrogant. Well, I have to do that because a white supremacist at Harvard, MIT, et cetera, are not going to do it. Only when it benefits them. And we'll talk about that. So that's my family. So by the time I was, I went to NYU, my mom saw this little paperclip cutting. Someone gave to her in the Washington Square News that NYU is going to allow high school students to go there. And there's a little note here. My mom's name was Mina. A friend of her said, Mina, I thought you'd be interested in this. So I applied. 40 kids were accepted and boom. I was very fortunate to get accepted. And I would take the train at five in the morning from Newark, New Jersey. And I guarantee you today, most people won't even go to Newark today, afraid of being mugged, et cetera. Even then, it was a high crime. But I would take that train at five in the morning, six in the morning from Newark into NYU. And there, at these hallowed institutions, this is a Koran Institute, by the way, which is one of the leading institutes for mathematical sciences in the world. There, I studied seven programming languages, digital circuitry, graduated number one in the class. Youngest kid in the class and I graduated number one. How did I do that? Did I get a free freaking trophy? No, I actually worked my butt off. All right, which I know is hard for the white supremacists to understand because all the white supremacists who go to Harvard and are the professors like that Brinkman kid at Stanford, they make sure they spend $100,000 so their kids get consultants and they do all their essays. I had to write my own essays. Mm -hmm. So it is a white supremacist who actually do not want real meritocracy because they know their kids are actually dumb. They're rich, white, spoiled nerds, while working class whites don't get that benefit. So they want to equalize everything now because they know their kids could probably never get in. And they want to make sure the hardworking kids, let's say John Medlar works very hard and he comes from bottoms up and there's another kid who's the son of a professor. He may be smoking weed, doing all sorts of crap all day. Oh, well, let's give him a trophy and John a trophy. So by, when the medical, when the boards look at, oh, they're both the same people, they're equal, you see? And then they pay off their professors, they make a few phone calls and they get the other guy in and John doesn't get to get in, right? This is a game that they're doing. This is why they want to give trophies to everyone. Well, I wasn't given a trophy, I checked to work. And when I finished this, and these are again facts, there's no purported stuff here as that scumbag Ben Shapiro says, purported inventor of email, okay? Another grifter, another white supremacist. He's a true white supremacist, okay? We'll talk about him. But then I got a full-time job in the heart of Newark, New Jersey. This was a small medical college at the time, very poor area. And in that medical school, I was given a full-time job as a 14-year-old kid. Dr. Michelson is still alive. And when I, when he gave me the job, he said, we're gonna treat you like an equal, Shiva, an equal. All the other people were 35, I'm sorry, 40 years old, 50 years old. I was a 14 year old kid, would bring in my briefcase and would work until two in the morning while I had some high school classes to finish up. 
and and a teacher fought with the local high school administration to make it available that I could travel back and forth. Unbelievable. This is 1978. Mm -hmm. And in that medical school, I was given the first opportunity to look at why babies were dying in their sleep. Remember, I loved medicine for my grandmother and I loved computers, math. So I was looking what babies were dying in their sleep and I wrote computer software to predict when the baby would die in their sleep. And then I presented that paper several years later at a conference in Finland, okay? All this research was done before I came to MIT in a small medical college in Newark, New Jersey. How did that happen? A loving family, some public school teachers who fought to change the rules and a mentor. It didn't occur by the military industrial academic complex. That's where it occurred. So I started doing this research, wrote a paper. And while I was there, I was given another very, very important task, okay? I was given a very another important task. John, you may wanna make on Twitter if everything's going okay so people can see it there, just check. Okay, I was given another very important task. Many people, and Julie, you may remember this, I'll bring mm -hmm. Julie in. Mm -hmm. You remember Julie in, um, in uh, 1970, a woman basically only had four roles, right? Either be a nurse, a mother, secretary um, or a teacher, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So in that medical school, what was interesting was that there were these people called secretaries in these offices. And there were two ways to communicate in those days, the landline phone or something called the inter-office paper-based mail system. And they still had these big mainframe computers. Now on those mainframes, you could send little text messages and you had to know very complex code. And the only people who really used computers in those days were old white guys with lab coats, little pocket protectors. You know, it was, and you had to know computer programming. But in that medical college, John, I'm getting feedback, can you? Yeah. In that medical college, every researcher had a secretary who on her desk had an inbox and outbox, the paper clip, the big folders, the typewriter and she would put this white paper into the typewriter and she'd write this thing called a memo and the memo had a very particular structure to from cc meant like if she was gonna hear someone's writing to stella they would put cc to dr michelson they would do a bcc which means blind carbon copy carbon copy was cc they'd write the article and maybe they'd attach like my grade report okay this was a memo it had a very particular structure so the social media aspect of it was you could CC someone else, someone else could participate. And this was put into an envelope called the inner office mail envelope. But you see, this was a complete system. We're not talking about the simple exchange of text messages, inbox, outbox, folders, attachments, all of these features. And the secretaries made it very clear to me, Julie, that they weren't gonna move from their paper-based inner office mail system to this new system unless it had every feature, inbox, outbox, folders, return receipt, attachments, blind carbon copy. So as a 14 year old kid, I had to build all of this features. Ray Tomlinson did not build not one of these features. Mm -hmm. He'd spent 15 minutes using existing code, which he didn't write and he says he did this. He didn't do, all he did was write a caveman version of Reddit 
the level of white supremacy to conflate that to email is so ridiculous. But I converted this entire system, hundreds of features, in, and this is, was the, the real paper-based mail system. And I converted all of these features in 50,000 lines of code into something called email. And I wrote, I also coined the term email. There it is. So not only did I write all of these features and get it working and get it deployed across the three university systems and get write the documentation. I was an engineer, I was customer service, a programmer. And as Dr. Michelson says, one day he says, I mean, he, he's written it. He goes, one day there's this young kid, a 14 year old who shows up. He goes, one day there was a seminar held and everyone thought it was gonna be a 50 year old person doing the seminar, okay? And it was this 14 year old kid who presented to 300, 200 people, a room packed about this email system that he created. So I wrote all the code, all the features, which no one ever done, named it email. Did the work, the hard work. So I remember one day I didn't sleep for three days working all the way through because I was so excited. I wasn't paid anything. I didn't do it for money. I was given free cafeteria food. In the third year, I think they paid me a buck 25. But the entire email system was created for less than $5,000. Again, I wrote all the code, all the features that you see in every email system, wrote it, no one had done it, named it email, a term I created as a 14 year old kid because the operating system only had five characters. All right, hmm. these are the facts to all the white supremacists who don't want it to get out. Then, you know, the local newspaper covered this in October 30th, a couple of years later, because I kept adding features. There's Stella Oleksiak, the woman who fought with the administration to give me the rights, Dr. Michelson and my math teacher, right there. And then I won one of the Westinghouse Science Awards. And the Westinghouse Science Awards, John and uh, Julie, in those days, they were considered the baby nobles, okay? Mm -hmm. And by the way, many other kids' parents would help them out, okay? I had no support. I did it on my own, bottoms up, but with the loving family and those things, you know? All right. So I did that. Named it, email, called it. And then when I came to MIT, right in the front page, and you can see it right here, of the MIT newspaper, even MIT recognized it. In fact, there was 1,041 kids, 1,040 kids who entered MIT that year, 1981, and out of the 1,040, they recognized only three kids. And one of them was me for inventing the email system. No one had a problem with this then. No one said, oh my God, he's a fraud. And in fact, that year when I went to the MIT president's house, Dr. Paul Gray, he was on Reagan's White House Science Council. He said, you know, Shiva, it's too bad you cannot protect software with patents. And some idiot wrote back, oh no, you, you, someone patented the software in 1968. Well, the idiot doesn't understand that you could not pat, you could only patent a very small class of software which operated a machine. It had to be a physical device. You could not patent software and the Supreme Court ruled it wasn't recognized. 
However, in 1980, what Dr. Gray told me was that the Computer Software Act of 1976 had been amended so you could use copyright law to protect software. And none of these white supremacists ever say, wow, how did he do that? His parents weren't lawyers. I had to write for the copyright form. I had to fill it out. I had to submit all the software. I had to put the code. And it wasn't just putting, as some idiot said, a little C. The level of diminishing, diminishing attempts at my work is what's really quite extraordinary. And in those days, when you submitted all the work, you had to submit all your code. It went to the Library of Congress and we made it accessible. In fact, in the lab I worked in, we, we were open. We allowed HP in there. We allowed IBM. Everyone saw what we were doing. We weren't like, you know, Bill Gates and uh, um, Steve Jobs hiding everything. It was an open environment. All right. Mm -hmm. So there you go. So it was there. And then I filed out the copyright notice. And there you go. So it says email, computer program for electronic mail system. I'm not copywriting the term. I'm copywriting the system. And this was the only way to protect software. On August 30th, 1982, a brown kid who did this in New Jersey, Newark, gets awarded the first U.S. copyright. There it is. There it is right there. Mm -hmm. It's not a fraud. Recognizing me as the inventor of email. I wrote the code, named it email, have everything. I didn't do simple text messaging. Okay? Mm -hmm. So there's an idiot here, right here, who probably came in late. Wow, now Dr. Shiva's lowered himself and jumped on the bandwagon of hatred. Well, you oh. need to really get your head out of your ass and you need to listen to what we're actually talking about here, okay? What we're talking about is the real nature of white supremacy and we want to define that word so people like you don't call me hatred. We start recognizing that the white supremacists, as you're going to find out shortly, are the people who diminish this, the facts. So black people and white people are diminished. So we're going to talk about. So get your head out of your ass. I'm sorry to say that, but that's what you need to do in a very, very, it's, that's your formula for success right now. All right. So here it is. I have the official U.S. copyright seal, the official number. Okay. This is not fraud. TXU 111775. All right. Does my name have to be Montgomery Farnsworth or, uh, you know, Robert Cornwallis to make this clear? I have the actual copyright notice. Okay. The actual document at a time, it's not just filling out a registration. This is the only way you could protect software inventions at the time. Okay, there you go. So those are the facts. Now, what I want to talk about is what happened when these facts of the email system, and this is what's important, I created the system. I have never ever, and write this down, I've never claimed to be the inventor of electronic messaging. In fact, when this went into the Smithsonian, on February 16th, we're going to talk about that. The vitriol that came out will show you how white supremacy actually works. Okay? All right. Let's go into that. All right. So I created email the system. I've never claimed to create electronic messaging. That goes to Samuel Morse. So there we go. So again, when you take this entire system, this is what I created. Named it email, everything I just shared with you. Now, 
Now let's talk about the vitriol and the anger to the facts of the invention of email. Let me just make a point here that I never sought money. I didn't make a penny off of it because patents weren't around. So I didn't make a penny. If patents were around, I'd be a gazillionaire. 33 years later, after the invention of email in November 2011, my dear mom gave me all of this stuff that she saved in a black Samsonite suitcase. And she had only three months to live. She had a horrible disease. And in this suitcase, she had saved all the old artifacts, John and Julie. Mm -hmm. And the only person still to this day, journalist, who went through this guy called Doug Ameth, he went through all of these documents and he wrote an article on November 11th, 2011, called The Man Who Invented Email. No one had a problem with this then. No one had a problem with this then. No one. And remember, just to be clear, I wasn't seeking fame or fortune. This was done by an independent reporter who saw all this work and then he wrote an article. A few days later, the Smithsonian, the number one historical museum in the world calls me and the Computer History Museum. And I was like in frustration, who do I give it to, which is a better museum? Eventually I gave it to the Smithsonian, okay? And it went into the Smithsonian. Now, it went into the Smithsonian on February 16th, 2012. Now, John and Julie, what would you think should have been occurred on February 16th, 2012, when this kid who came from nowhere in Newark, New Jersey, invents email and he's honored at the Smithsonian, a beautiful ceremony that they had. What should have happened? What do you guys know? What, what an amazing success story. This prodigy invented something great before anyone else did. All news sources, all mainstream media, 60 minutes, all whatever. It should have been on right. everywhere. And a young mm -hmm. African-American reporter at The Post wrote this article, okay? Mm -hmm. There it is, okay? V.A. Mm -hmm. Shivaidre, inventor oh, of email, honored by the Smithsonian. There mm -hmm. it is. And then she did three videos, which some of you'll find, you know, interviewing me for the Washington Post. The day that that article went up was a day that all my suffering really started, okay, on this <laughs> issue, when it shouldn't have. So let me repeat again, to those of you, the day this article went up, the instant, boom, it was like a new skull was found in Africa, because remember, for 33 years, I was a humble Indian kid that I didn't promote any of this. But when it went into the Smithsonian, it created this firestorm. A liberal elite white supremacist, now we know who that is, at a university, part of a group of other white supremacist academics, mm -hmm. wrote an article calling me, well, first of all, what happened is all these articles came out calling me an imposter. And I was at MIT, in addition to starting my other company, Julian uh, and John, um, teaching a course at MIT, the number one elective, for free, not like Elizabeth Warren, who was charging. It was a number one elective. I did it to support students at MIT. And I had my full-time business. When this went in, thousands of calls start coming into MIT saying, I should be fired. Wow. And let me just share with you to those people who have, who really need to get their head out of their ass. This is the kind of stuff that was out there. Calling me an asshole, a loon, an imposter, taking my official MIT picture and blasting it out there. And this guy, Lex Friedman, he's like, oh my God, they attacked my Wikipedia page because I am now supporting Twitter files. Well, Lex, you need to cover this and you won't because you're part 
of the white supremacist culture yourself. Lex Friedman, okay? Mm -hmm. All right, so let's go to this. This is the kind of stuff that came out. What a effing shameless cretin. He should be hanged by his curry-stained fingernails as he shouts, let me down, Sahib. I was meaning no harm. Let me down and I will invent for you a nice Vindaloo chocolate cake and then be lined up against the wall and strangled by your dhoti. Wow. So all of you people on the left and the right understand that the left academics are the ones who unleash that vitriol. Mm -hmm. And I just want you to read this, whether you're on the left or the right, please let go of your bullshit. This is, this is not occurring in 1959. This is occurring in 2012. And not one person within the MIT administration who, when I was at MIT, you guys got to understand, I was on the front page for inventing many things while I was at MIT. Boom, Dr. Shiva's great, you know, Shiva Ayadure, Fulbright Scholar, Shiva Ayadure this, Shiva Ayadure this, because I was within MIT, okay? So you have this idiot who's saying he was joking. Well, you're a fucking joke, okay? You need to get the fuck off my channel. John, throw this idiot off, mm. all right? Mm. Joking, right, that's a joke. You're a joke. You're a fucking joke. That's not a joke. This is a kind of ignorance that perpetuates this stuff. When people think it's a joke, it's not a joke. Hmm. All right. So this is the kind of stuff that was out there. Thousands of phone calls coming in, calling me a fraud. All my four degrees didn't mean anything. And I didn't ask for this. So I just want everyone to look at that, okay? And the guy that wrote this was at Gizmodo at Gawker Media. This is what was going on. And who was behind this? Who was behind this is you find a guy called Thomas Haig, a freaking white supremacist, who apparently was the historian who owned the history of email. So when this went in, he's like, oh my God, where did this come from? I no longer own the history of email. And this guy was like this with the military industrial academic complex and all the universities. University of Wisconsin, Madison is a center of the liberal elites. And to all of you on the conservative side, I'm not attacking you. I'm talking about liberal elites in major universities. They are the white supremacists. And it's time that the white conservatives Use the word white supremacy and point it at the right people. And if you don't do that, we're going to keep having race wars in this country. Yes. There is white supremacy, but it's not people like John Medlar. It's not people like me. It's not working white Americans. It is a fucking liberal elite. And that is the bastard who wrote this because I was annoying his narrative. SIG CIS, a horrible organization, which didn't even bother calling me, which attacked the reporter, which attacked everyone. And they were so vitriolic, they scared the shit out of this reporter and, and they did a retraction saying electronic messaging predates email. 
I never said I invented electronic messaging. They completely confuse people. Email is a system I created. And all the dumbass reporters saying, oh, he didn't invent email. Uh, it preceded him. That's electronic messaging. I never claimed to invent. I created email, the system. I got the copyright. I named it. There's no, there, this issue is not even gray. It's not even, it's, it's black and white. All right. But I want to go back to the white supremacy. This is the white supremacist. This is a white supremacist organization run by a bunch of liberal elites. And these same people are the ones who will tell you that they care about diversity. Mm -hmm. These are the same people who say, ooh, poor whites who say for free speech, they're racist. But the real racists and the white supremacists are right here. And it's time all white people call out the real white supremacists right here. Now, what ended up happening? Now, I believe there's a God. And in this period, one of my students at MIT was so upset by everything that had happened. that And I was upset because I was thinking, wow, maybe I didn't invent email. Maybe I'm a liar because you start thinking like that. And this young kid went through every piece of documentation that was written be before 1978 when I invented email. And his name is Devin Sparks. And Devin, boom, finds a document. There was a guy called David Crocker. Crocker. Crock of shit. That's what his real name is. And he was promoting himself. Oh my God, Shiva's a liar. Email was not done by him. It was a it was a ARPANET did it. ARPANET. ARPANET was a frankly a very small network of a bunch of people who kissed each other's ass, talking about all the great things they did. I didn't even use any of the ARPANET technology. In fact, they didn't really have much technology. In fact, they what Devin found is a document written in 1977 where David Crocker, who in 2011 was attacking me viciously, this guy's a liar, a fraud. Well, David Crocker shit forgot in December of 1977, when he was a young lad, had written an article for the Rand Corporation saying that no one could invent email, the inner office mail system. Let me read it to you. It's right here in black and white. Interesting. Okay. He said, at this time, this is in December 19, no attempt is being made to emulate a full-scale inter-organizational mail system. That's what I did. The fact that the system is intended for various use, for use in various organizational contexts, which means CC, BCC, um, hierarchies, right? And by users of differing expertise, which means secretaries, students, not just people in white lab coats, makes it almost impossible to build a system which responds to all users' need. These experts thought email could not be built. I didn't. I was a 14-year-old kid. I actually revered these secretaries. I didn't treat them like dirt. I took all their inputs. I listed them out point by point by point. I actually loved these people. These people were my friends. And if people go to inventorofemail.com, you will see the actual list I had created from what they told me, all the features that they needed. And let me show you that. Because for these people, John and, and uh, Julie, the concept of inventing email was seen as impossible because I had to build all of these features, not just, we're not talking about just sending text point to point. I had to build all of these features. You guys see those features? 
This is email. All of these features, inbox, outbox, drafts, attachments, folders, all these features. And anyone who's written software, I mean, this is a massive Herculean undertaking. It wasn't just simply transmitting messages. This is email, the system as we know it today. Hmm. And all of that I put up on here and everyone wants to go see it. This was all the code is up here. Every line of code from the main subroutine to how I built groups and address books, everything is here if people want to go check it out. These are the facts. Okay? So, I created all the code, wrote it, but, and and what we found was that the, the bullshitters, the white supremacists who conceal truth in the academic institutions could not compute. So they just lied. But guess what? Because of a young 17-year-old kid, my student, he found this document. Mm -hmm. And after this document came out, David Crocker got very scared. He called my old mentor and he said, oh, can you quiet down Shiva? Now, what they forgot with me, and then what we learned was at the time when this was going on in 2012, Raytheon, the biggest defense contractor in the world, had rebranded themselves with the at logo, that they were the inventors of email, and they did some Madison Avenue marketing, this little nerd-looking character with a beard and a glasses. By the way, that's the other racism here, that you have to look the part. You have to have a squeaky voice. You have to look all disheveled. You have to have glasses. They can't be a good-looking Indian guy who plays sports. Like, surely that person cannot also do the invention of email. So they were doing a marketing campaign, Julian John, at that mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. Because Raytheon had entered the cybersecurity market in 2007, and they wanted to brand themselves as the inventors of email. So when my stuff went into the Smithsonian... I was actually perturbing a multi-billion dollar company's branding. And you can look at it right there. They were promoting themselves as the inventors of email. Wow. And guess what? Raytheon is a one that funds SIG CIS in, in terms of implicit and explicitly. Not surprised. Okay. So these are the white supremacists. And let me just make a point to everyone. The CEO of Raytheon that year had written a book on integrity. And the book was found to be completely plagiarized. Just do a research. Raytheon, CEO, plagiarism. And everyone knows that Ray Tomlinson, when you look at it, did not invent email. It's the biggest freaking bullshit on the planet. He wrote 15 minutes of code to add text to a bottom of a file using two existing programs. Oh, my God, he invented protocols. No, he didn't. Liars, white supremacists lie, working class whites do not lie. White supremacists lie, okay? So that's what they did. Now, when this happened, Oh, Noam Chomsky. I was at MIT, and think about this. I, I, I have won every award at MIT. I was teaching this class. Thousands of phone calls are coming in. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I go to Noam Chomsky. And Noam knew me because I've been a fighter and an activist, and I'll share with that. So they mm -hmm. fucked with the wrong person because mm -hmm. they thought I'm just going to be a good Indian. Okay, fine. I'm a, I'm a good Indian. Thank you very much. I didn't invent email. I'll go on my way. I'm a Gandhi. Bullshit. Okay? Noam had known me since I was a kid. At MIT, I fought for the underdogs. 
And I went to Noam's office and Noam looked at the facts. He goes, so Noam released a couple of statements and he said, boldly, he was the only guy who put this out. Email was invented by a 14-year-old working in Newark, New Jersey. The facts are indisputable. Now, who is Noam Chomsky? I don't agree with everything Noam says, but mm -hmm. Noam is known as a, as a number one most cited scholar next to Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. The second most cited scholar in world history is Noam Chomsky. Mm -hmm. So Noam put this out. Okay. What year was that? 2012. Okay. And when he put this out, MIT came down on him. All right. Let me go here. Now, Noam wrote a very nice statement about all of this. And he said, I have known V.A. Shivaya Dure since he was a sophomore at MIT when he designed and pursued an undergraduate research opportunities program on the origins and the evolution of the Indian caste system. I work with Chomsky is very curious on politics because I've kept up with him since that time. I've now become aware of the controversy and the invention of email following the recent Washington Post article. Here are some background facts. On January 21st, 1981, Shiva received a Westinghouse Science Talent Search Honors Award for creating email. On August 30th, 1982, he received the first US copyright for email for the computer program for electronic mail system. On February 16th, 2012, the Smithsonian National Museum of American History accepted his code, papers, and artifact demonstrating his work on email. Then Noam said, um, the angry reaction, the angry reaction to his invention of email and steps taken to belittle the achievement are most unfortunate. They suggest an effort to dismiss the fact that innovation can take place by anyone in any place at any time. And they highlight the need to ensure that innovation must not be monopolized by those with power, power which incidentally is a substantially a public gift. The efforts to belittle the innovation of a 14-year-old child should lead to reflection on the larger story of how power is gained, maintained, and expanded, and the need to encourage, not undermine, the capacities for creative inquiry that are widely shared and could flourish if recognized and given the support they deserve. So what am I talking about here? There's not one Shiva Ayadure, there's billions of Shiva Ayadure's, black, mm -hmm. white, yellow. And what we what occurred was when I went to MIT, when I won all those awards, when I was under the bastion of MIT, I was an amazing star stellar person. But when I said email was done before I came to MIT, uh-uh, that doesn't work. The white supremacists do not like that because they wanted to be under their bastion. And that's what he's saying, this very powerful last statement that, and this is the real essence of white supremacy, right? Not undermine the capacities for creative inquiry that are widely shared and could flourish. That means imagine if we remove that narrative, how many young innovators that are out there and how much humanity is losing. Oh my God, look at Elon Musk, he's doing this and this, come on. There's others. It's bullshit. There are hundreds of thousands of people like me who don't get the light of day because of white supremacy. Poor blacks, poor whites, all people. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's continue. So, and Chomsky, then, I mean, the scrutiny that I was under, John, and is people, these white supremacists said, ooh, 
uppercase email is different than lowercase email. Because in those days, all characters had to be uppercase. Okay. Yeah. By the way, I don't support Noam Chomsky on everything. I don't support his position on vaccine mandates. So you have to understand that Chomsky in his capacity at that time, he at least did something right. But the point here is that the, 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 the white supremacists were out, out there trying to find any nuance. Oh, well, it's copyright, and it was used uppercase email. And Chomsky said, where in the English language, you would have to have two dictionaries, uppercase, the uppercase dictionary, capital C-A-R really means a microphone, and lowercase C-A-R means the car with four wheels. It's like, it's nonsense. So Chomsky, I mean, this is the kind of nonsense that was taking place then. So Noam said this, email, uppercase, lowercase, any case, is the electronic version mm -hmm. of the interoffice mail system. The email we all experience today, an email was invented in 1970 by a 14-year-old working in Newark, New Jersey. The facts are indisputable. Now, we don't see even these woke CNN and New York Times quoting Chomsky there, do we, Julie? No. Mm -mm. Because it completely brings down their narrative. All right. So let's continue. So Chomsky came out. Now, now I'm going to share with everyone, I'm going to give you a true white supremacist. Everyone ready? You may want to take a little glass of water, which is what I'm going to do. Now we're going to show a true white supremacist. And it ain't me who I've been called a white supremacist. It ain't John Medlar, right? It ain't Julie. And it ain't all of you out there who are actually good conservative working people. You're not the white supremacist. I'm now going to show you an actual white supremacist. Everyone ready? Who's ready to actually see the name of a white supremacist so you can get it? Who wants Who wants to see a real white supremacist? I only see three people. No one wants to see it? Should I end, end this stream, John? <laughs> who wants to see so you have an exempl exemplar of a true white supremacist? Who wants to see him? Okay, we got one people, two people, who else? Okay, me, me, me. Okay. In the middle of this controversy, remember, my stuff went into the, 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 the Time Magazine article came out on November 11th. On February 16th, Julie and John, the stuff went into the Smithsonian, and boom, the shit is hitting the fan. I'm, I'm a dummy, I'm an asshole, I'm a dick, I'm a curry-stained Indian who should be beaten and hanged. All sorts of shit is going on. And no one is out there helping me. And in the middle of this in 2014, and, and, and I built the website, you know, inventor of email, I'll get to that. A guy called Walter Isaacson, write his name down, Walter Isaacson. Walter Isaacson. And everyone should tweet at Walter Isaacson and tell him to get his butt on this event and defend his white supremacy. And by the way, Walter Isaacson is the one who started the Aspen Institute and was ahead of it. Mm -hmm. The woke of the woke of the woke institutions of the wokeness of the world. Aspen Institute, where the Kennedys go, where all the Harvard professors go, where the Yale professors, they all get dressed up and they talk about diversity, how they want to help the darkies like me, how they want to help the yellow people stop Asian hate and all this shit. Walter Isaacson. Walter Isaacson is the one who wrote the book on Steve Jobs. In the middle of this blazing controversy, the elites call in Walter Isaacson. 
because this is too because i by the way i'm not letting up right and i'll tell you why i'm not letting up okay you'll, you'll hear about that but walter isaacson i think he was ahead of the wall street journal time he's called in to now write a definitive history of the internet all right in the middle of this controversy and let me show you that book so walter isaacson in the middle of this is writes this book what do you see what is it called john read it out what does the title say the innovators right the innovators how a group of hackers geniuses and geeks created the digital revolution and what does it say walter isaacson yeah now this book comes out in 2014 in the middle of this controversy now julie would you not say that email is part of the digital revolution yes how many people believe email is part of the digital revolution mm -hmm. okay yes cnn so email is clearly part of the digital revolution so here is this scumbag true white supremacist walter isaacson who writes a book in the middle of this raging controversy where i'm being called all sorts of names and he writes a book on the digital revolution don't you think he should at least have interviewed me for this book well let me show you his book and all of you people will get it once you see this and if you don't get it then you should get off this channel right now because i can't help you okay but after you see this you will get it so walter isaacson's writing a book on the digital revolution and he's writing a book talking about who were the innovators he's putting up picture after picture and he's writing chapter after chapter for these people who helped create the digital revolution all right, let's look at the book. What does Isaacson say? Who are the innovators of the digital revolution? Everyone know this guy? Mm -hmm. And tell me what's common about all of this. This guy, anyone know this guy? I actually don't. He's William Shockley who invented the transistor. Hmm. Okay. Anyone know this guy? These are the guys who invented radar and those kind of things okay communication systems anyone know this guy berners lee who created the web www this guy this guy sergey brin and a woman so what do you what do you see common across all these john all white ah, so these are innovators of the digital revolution and I just have to, I mean, come on. This is not the average white person doing this. This is a white supremacist. This is not John Medlar. Because, John, I'm sure, John, would you say if you had written an article on this, that you as a working person would have done something on email? You would have interviewed me? Yeah, certainly. I would and, have, and I ask any person. white person here, would, wouldn't anyone have um, interviewed other people if you were just a true journalist while you know this raging controversy is going on mm -hmm. so walter isaacson purposefully only put white people in why he is a white supremacist he wants because as you said julie and i don't have in fact i have your do you want to read the little tweet you wrote I'm you sorry. wrote a, i want to i want um in fact i, I can't find it 
but Julie wrote a very, very profound tweet. And that's what I wanted to have her here. Let me see. Julie said that the real, I'm going to, white uh, supremacists are actually in the elite institutions. So you have Walter Isaacson. Let me go back to this as Julie's finding that. This is a white supremacist, this guy. Walter Isaacson. He writes a book teaching young kids that only fucking white people are the only ones who can innovate. Come they on. They all seem to fit a very particular archetype. I don't see a lot of like working class looking people here. Nope. These are all people. Academics. Academics from noble ancestries. Mm -hmm. Okay? Most mm -hmm. of them. Mm -hmm. And that's the book on the innovators, which is being written in the middle of the controversy. Okay? Mm -hmm. So imagine if you are, and so, so what I'm trying to tell everyone here is this book is a book written by a white supremacist, not by a working class white person. John would never have written a book like this. Julie, you would never have written a book like this. And 99.999% of white people would not have written a book like this. This was written by 0.0001% of people in academia to perpetuate this myth that all great innovations must come from whites. And they're the same people who call white people and someone says, stop, uh, stop what? Stop, stop yelling, it sounds- Yeah, so you know what? You can get the fuck out, okay? Because if this doesn't piss you off, something's wrong with you. Get the fuck out, John. Throw them out. Okay? Yep. This is my medium. I have the right to exercise my First Amendment rights, and I don't want idiots here. Okay? Because if you don't get it by now, and you don't get angry, then something's loose in your brain. So fuck you. All right. We're talking about people who actually divide us. We're talking about people who actually are the white supremacists. And we actually are talking about people who want black and white people to fight against each other. And if that doesn't get you angry, then you're a white supremacist because you're okay with that. I don't want you in my channel because I did the fucking work. I built the thing. The credit should go to where it actually came from long before MIT. Sorry, you can have an intellectual discussion of it's a false label. No, white supremacy is a thing. And white people need to recognize that the white, real white supremacists, Walter Isaacson will call John Medlar a white supremacist. Yes. Right, John? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Walter Isaacson is the one, when I went to the free speech rally, called me a white supremacist. I was called a Nazi. So we must call the white supremacists who they are. And white people and black people must unite to call the white supremacists like Walter Isaacson out. Call him a white supremacist because he spends all fucking day calling people like John and me white supremacists. Mm -hmm. Let us give them their bitter medicine back. That's how we end racism. All right. So that's fucking Walter Isaacson, the true white supremacist. I mean, look at this. There's no one who has contributed to the Internet. And by the way, Walter Isaacson, this, this is like the coup d'etat of this. You know who this guy is? Does anyone know who this guy is? No. If anyone gets that, who this guy is, you get a free bottle of MV25, and I'm going to send you all my books. Who is this guy? Um, the first person who gets it. John, you can't do it. Right. 
Who is this guy? Anyone know who this guy is? Mm-hmm. There you go. Okay, Jamie Valentine got it. This guy is a guy called Vannevar Bush. Vannevar Bush was one of the presidents of MIT, and guess what? He's the one who dis- he's the one who started Raytheon, and he says he was one of the great innovators of the digital revolution. Vannevar Bush. When the day Vannevar Bush started Raytheon, many people said on that day it was, it was when academia completely fell apart because mm-hmm. federal funding to universities was being funneled to the military industrial complex. Vannevar Bush. And in Isaacson's book, he says Vannevar Bush is the epitome of one of the great innovators of the digital revolution. And in, in this book, this white supremacist, Walter Isaacson, attributes all great innovations. You know where he attributes all great innovations? Where he says, and he says it. So where is the headquarters of white supremacy? It's not in Gardner, Massachusetts. It's not in Mississippi. It's not in trailer parks where white people are. It's not among the quote unquote proud boys. It's not among the Oath Keepers. It's not among those people. The headquarters of white supremacy is the military academic industrial complex. (laughs) This is the center of white supremacy. And what is the military academic industrial complex? It is the headquarters of white supremacy. Okay? So let's go through that. What is it? Well, Isaacson in his own book, he says the golden triangle. He says a golden triangle of innovation where the white supremacists all hang out, including him, okay, is this center. And this center, he says, is Pentagon, Pentagon, Mm -hmm. big military, big Mm -hmm. universities, Mm -hmm. and big industry. And in that triangle is where he says all great innovations come from. And you know what? You and I ain't part of that triangle. I surely wasn't part of it. When I came to MIT, I was part of it. And I, when I did all those innovations, I was the brown guy who was a model minority. And when you look at this, all these white people are in that triangle. There's not one dark face. So, yeah, we have to call a spade a spade. It is white supremacy. Yes. So don't say, oh, well, well, you're just using that term and you're with Black Lives Matter. No, Black Mm -hmm. Lives Matter knows nothing about white supremacy. They're basically taking advantage of racism and cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. They know nothing about it. They are worse in some ways. They're in collusion with the white supremacists. Mm -hmm. So don't put me in there, okay? But this triangle is what Walter Isaacson's talking about. And you know what? At face... John and Julie doesn't work. <laughs> that face ain't part of that. It breaks every aspect of this archetype that they've mm-hmm. set up. Exactly. So I'll let you guys comment on this. Does everyone get it? I do. Any um, comments, John? So I'll just put this diagram up there and I want everyone to see this. You're looking at the triangle of white supremacy, and I don't fit that triangle. That brown. Immigrant kid who invented email 
And this is what really bothered them, Julie and John. Yes. This is what really pissed them off. It's like the white and white supremacy doesn't just refer to skin color. It refers to like white as in like the pure, their class purity or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to be white to be a white supremacist. Obama's a white supremacist. No, Barack Obama. Now, yeah. When all lighter. this stuff came in, people went to my Wikipedia page and they started destroying everything. If you go look at my Wikipedia page in 2007, you know, member of, you know, inventors, hall of fame, scientists, after this went in, these white supremacists unleashed their minions to destroy my page. And there was one truthful Wikipedia editor who reached out to me and I have his statement. He wrote to me in an email. He wanted his name to be kept confidential. And he wrote this. He said, I seem to have stepped into a mess by accident. As an experienced Wikipedia editor, I had a look at the email article and was surprised that you hadn't received credit for your contributions. Since I've had a great deal of experience writing Wikipedia articles, I got right to work and added several suitable additions to provide credit to your contributions. Right away, my edits were deleted without discussion, not edited to improve them, but just flat out deleted. This is a kind of behavior an editor encounters when editing an article on the Second Amendment, which, or abortion, or other extremely hot topics. The response to my edits has included personal attacks, calling me quote-unquote ignorant, quote-unquote reckless, and the like. Although most editors have been less insulting than that, they have generally been aggressively and rapidly deleting my additions. White supremacists don't like the truth. No, they don't. I want everyone to just look at this. Yeah, this is fascism. It's called white supremacy. Mm -hmm. And it's unleashed on blacks and whites because they do not want to acknowledge any innovation that does not come from their anointment. Okay. And that's, so what, my, that's what my tweet said. I mean, yep. that's basically what my response is. Yeah, do you want to read your what you wrote? Yeah, Julie? I do. I said, <clears throat> it's a response to your, to your video commentary. Great segment. But just to clarify in your white supremacy statement, it is only within, only within ivory tower academia that white elites believe it can only be whites that are capable of getting patents. Thus the lies written by the New York Times and other propaganda rags. There you go. So I just I made really that connection. Wanted, white as in the ivory tower, the supremacy ivory of tower. the ivory tower, white yeah, supremacy. That, yeah, white it. ivory there tower there, some, but, yeah. but it's very, very important for white people mm -hmm. and brown people and people of all mm -hmm. colors to get this because mm -hmm. they want us to use class. Then it gets into Marxism and communism, you know, and then that they, they muddle it up. But we got to call a spade a spade. Mm -hmm. We need to call Walter Isaacson a white supremacist. Harvard is a white supremacist institution. All those woke yeah. people are the white supremacists. What's happened is the conservatives have been taught, oh, I'm not going to get into the race war. I won't use that term. Well, you you don't get it. They, they, use the, they say, Demo oh, Democrats are the real racists, and they make it about left versus right. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. When mm -hmm. Democrats, and it's the, it's the institutional white supremacy. Okay? So let mm -hmm. me finish here, because we want to take some calls here. So... Now, let me tell you, the problem they had with me, and I've said this before, is I'm not a house slave, as Malcolm X would say. I'm a field slave. I left the plantation. I'm not a good Indian. I'm not a Mahatma Gandhi talking like this and, okay, beat the shit out of me and it's okay, nonviolence. That's not me. But most Indians are house slaves. And they have pigeonholed people 
Oh, that's an Indian guy. We'll beat the shit out of him. He'll get the fuck out of the way. Because the white supremacists at Harvard, they have a bunch of house slaves, Indians who work there. And they've become white supremacists. Most Indians in these big universities are all house slaves. And you can tell them I said that. And tell them to come argue with me that they're not house slaves. So all you Indians out there who are at universities and you got tenure, I know you're a house slave. Okay? You're a white supremacist. And you're probably the ones who cannot fathom, ooh, he has a copyright. How do I destroy that? Okay. Again, a lot of white supremacist Indians. A lot of them in academia. So the problem they had, Julian John, was I've been a fighter all my life. There's me burning the South African flag on the steps of MIT because MIT had investments in South Africa, Elon Musk's home. I risked myself because I didn't support that because there were people getting butchered in South Africa. But when I did that burning of the flag, I interconnected it to the poor white workers right in the MIT cafeteria who weren't getting paid. I didn't just do the liberal thing to support some black people 10,000 miles away. I said, look, MIT treats white working people right at MIT. I was 17, 18 years old. The same way that they're investing in exploitation halfway around the world. You see, the bigger discussion here is the white supremacists in South Africa, when they're mining all the mines, they call that business, the diamond business. But if you were a black person working those mines and you happen to steal a diamond and put it in your pocket because you need to get something, your hands get cut off and you're a criminal and you steal. You see, one is a business and the other is stealing. When, if I were a white guy at MIT or a dropout like Bill Gates and I had the copyright and it came out of MIT or Harvard, ooh, that's innovation. But when a brown immigrant kid has a copyright, that's fraud. You see, what's the difference? One rule for them and another rule for us. And that's one of the features of white supremacy. All right, so the problem they had was, I've been a fighter. There's me fighting against the MIT president. And I got MIT to get out of South Africa. There's me when my, when my friend was jailed by the fascist Sri Lankan government, I ran the biggest protest and we got him out. There's me at my PhD graduation, the only person who held up a sign, 2007 US out of Iraq, when it was not popular to do that. Half of the crowd booed me and the other half thought I was awesome. So I have withstood, so they didn't know that they had poked the wrong bear. And what I did was, at that point, what I had to do, Julian John, was I had to put my hat on as an activist, not for, it was easy, and this was the very deeply personal thing. I noticed that it was easier for me to fight for other people. But it took me a deep journey to say, oh my God, I gotta, like, this is really weird. But I didn't have the, I was so emotionally distraught, I had to go into activism mode and fight for that 14-year-old brown kid and what he represented. My friend Lorraine, who was my next door neighbor when I was 14, she flew up here. She would make me lunch and dinner and breakfast. And it was nonstop from five in the morning to two in the morning. I had to document what I'd actually done. And I built this site called the Inventor of Email. All right. And then 
what happened after that was four years later. I mean, this was like hell for four years that I found a lawyer by the name of Charles Harder who looked at all my material and he said, oh my God, you invented email. He sued Gawker Media on contingency. He didn't take a penny from me because he saw the strength of the facts. And dumbass Ben Shapiro, a little elitist little dweeb, has the, the, the indecency to write an article, purported email user, oh, they settled out of court. No, we sued Gawker Media. We drove them into bankruptcy for writing those three defamatory articles, calling me an asshole, dick, a fraud. I became the chairman of the bankruptcy council to sell them. This is a great karma of it. And in court, I was given $750,000 and those three defamatory articles were removed. It was a huge victory. New York Times didn't really want to report on this. The woke people, you know what they said? Oh my God, Dr. Sheba is against the First Amendment. Bullshit. You can't, you can say whatever you want, but if you say something that's false and defamatory, you can be sued. So I sued them. And it was a big victory. So not only do I have the copyright, but in court, I won a major lawsuit. Gawker Media pays Dr. Shiva, inventor of email, $750,000. This is a historic victory for truth, declared Dr. Ayadre. Americans have no tolerance for fake news, lies, or cyberbullying. A 14-year-old kid working in Newark, New Jersey in 78 invented email. This settlement honors that innovation. There's no reasonable dispute that Dr. Ayadre is the inventor of email. The full press kit contains more. And then we built an entire site Call who invented email.com. All right. I don't see the media referring to this, but the reality is this is white supremacy. Many people think when they talk about racism, you know, the woke people will show this picture, right? Mm -hmm. But the real racism, the right says doesn't exist. And this is a problem with the right. And the left has reduced racism. Don't use the N word, support affirmative action. But let me show you what the real racism is, putting people in these boxes. So if you're blonde, there's blonde jokes. To me, that's a form of white supremacy and racism. If you're black, you must like watermelon. If you're, or this, right? Or if you're Chinese, you must talk like this. Or if you, or do Kung Fu. And clearly if you're a redneck, you must be dumb and you must be a Klansman. These, or if you're Indian, you must run a 7-Eleven. Or you must like to meditate under a tree. Or if you're a nerd, you must look like this, or like this idiot who doesn't know any science. So these are what the white supremacists put out. They literally create these memes. If you want to be a nerd, you got to talk like this and have some ticks. And you have to look like this. So they went and found a nerd. Oh, Ray Tomlinson, the inventor of email. Bullshit. And if you're a blonde, attractive woman, you must be dumb. That is part of the white supremacy. And so on and so on and so on. The segregation of what they do. Yeah, Bill Nye is an idiot. Yes. Complete fucking idiot. Mm -hmm. Moron. Neil deGage Tyson, another idiot. Idiots, idiots, idiots. But they put them in boxes, dress them up, and they put it out there. All right? Now, what is this doing to all of us at the end of the day? What, how does white supremacy prosper? They're doing this 
to divide black people and white people so they can continue their exploitation. So the real white supremacists are the Walter Isaacsons, are the heads of institutions like Harvard, MIT, Yale, those academics, the heads, the few mil big military contractors and the CEOs of some major companies. Those people perpetuate white supremacy because if it's a factory floor, they pay John 50 cents more than his black counterpart. So John thinks, yeah, I'm, I'm better, right? I'm white. <laughs> and then John, uh, he never gels together with his black counterpart to really go after who's really causing this exploitation. And this is how billions of people are controlled through white supremacy. Biden is a white supremacist. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Definitely. They put you into a box and, they, and then what is it doing economically? What is it doing? What are these? Let's look at the 2019 household report. Okay. 40% of Americans don't have $400 in the bank for emergency expenses, federal reserve, right? This is what the results of white supremacy are. 40% of Americans don't have $400 in the bank for emergency expenses. Okay. This is white supremacy. A thousand dollar emergency would push many Americans into debt. This is what the results of white supremacy are. Nearly 70% of Americans have less than $1,000 in the savings account. But the net worth of these white supremacists like Bill Gates, in, during the pandemic, 600 billionaires increased their wealth by another 400 billion. Another guy who stole inventions. He didn't write DOS. Right. He didn't write DOS. Fauci's a white supremacist. Yep. And if you look at all of these people here, you can look at how much wealth they increase. They increase their wealth from 2.9 trillion before the pandemic to 3.3. So they went up by 434 while Americans were suffering. These are all your white supremacists. I'm sorry. You know, people said, oh, Elon Musk grew up in apartheid. And his mother said, oh, my God, if we said anything against apartheid, we'd be thrown in jail. Well, don't say you're a fighter against racism then, because you could have said something. There were white people who did say stuff. Yeah, and some of them went to jail. And some of them went to jail. Yeah. So don't come and say you're a fighter, okay? Coronavirus stimulus to exceed $6 trillion. So you have, this is what was happening to the masses that the white supremacists did. And by the way, the so-called white, now just, let me just finish with this. As you know, Julie and John, Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's known as the liberal woke elites, right? Who care for diversity and the poor and the black. Well, in Boston, which is the center of all of the Boston Brahmins, who I call the true white supremacists, what do you think the net worth of a black person should be there? And this is what came out in the Fed, and this is no, no joke. The net worth of a black Bostonian is only $8. That means if you take their entire net worth, it's $8. And this is in the center of the liberal elite woke people who care, supposedly care for black people and white people. Okay, it gets more interesting. The blacks in Boston have a median net worth versus whites have 247,000. So in the midst of all of this woke shit, there's massive segregation. So white people and black people, a little bit higher, significantly higher, but who's profiting from this, this division? 
And you'll see it gets even more profound. When you look at this, now white Americans are getting poorer. And what you find is here is a medium income of whites in 2007, and it's come down. Same with Hispanics, and it's approaching the same. So we're all in the same boat. And so the middle class here is shrinking. So the middle is going to shrink. The lower is increasing, and the upper is much, much thinner. So there you go. So let me end with this, and we'll take questions. This is the picture of that 14-year-old boy who invented email. How many of you still have a visceral reaction to seeing this picture? After you learned all these facts. How many people now have a visceral reaction? And if you do, I have to ask this question. So this says email, Mr. Shiva Ayadure, Shiva Ayadure. Suppose instead of this or this, I were to show you this picture, and my name was Montgomery Newton III from Westport, mm -hmm. Connecticut, and mm -hmm. I had filled out this. Would I be on the front page of every stamp? Mm -hmm. Would I be heralded? No one would be questioning uppercase email, lowercase email. No one would be questioning this copyright, right? I have to ask that question. Would this, would there be a visceral reaction to this? Or would it be like, oh, Mozart wrote all those symphonies. No one questions whether he wrote them. White guy must have written them. But a dark-skinned Indian guy? Oh, wait a minute. Email, uppercase. Westport, Connecticut. Montgomery Newton. Oh, my God. We have a prodigy on our hands. We must herald him. We must demonstrate how great, you know, the people of Westport are and how our lineage from Montgomery Newton comes from Newton's lineage, you know, da, 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 da. So you have to ask, should I go get bleached? Should I go get my hair done differently? And let me just tell you to all you Indians listening out there, right now in India, Indians spend more money on consumer product to lighten your skin than they buy Coke or Pepsi. Did you know that? Hmm. Indians spend more money on face lightening products. And I know in my own family, Julian John, my dad was very dark. He had a brother who was lighter and, and he would get so much preferential treatment. And this is because of not those two, but because of white supremacy. <laughs> Yes. So, so again, CC is not getting the point. What did we say when we started this? Anyone, regardless of their color, who gets upset at that is a white supremacist. Tesla was screwed because he didn't come from the establishment. He came from an outside. He wasn't part of the network. The same thing occurred to Philo Farnsworth, a 14-year-old boy who created TV. The white supremacist at RCA stole his invention. So let's not get into colorism. So what these intellectuals do, well, that's colorism versus racism. They make it all very intellectual so you don't know what the fuck is going on. We're talking about white supremacy. Let's call a spade a spade. And what I'm asking all of you is get this clear. There is white supremacy. And it has nothing to do with color. And we, as working people, must call Walter Isaacson out as a white supremacist. 
And it's time that the conservative white people who get screwed every day by being called white supremacists, they turn the mirror and say, no, you're a fucking white supremacist. And until that happens, they'll get away with this. John, maybe you can make some comments on that, having been called a white supremacist yourself. I've um, been, yeah. concept. I'm giving a solution out of this, and then I'm going to open up the phone lines. Go ahead, John. Yeah, with all of the free speech rally stuff, and again, they try to make everything about like, oh, don't use the N-word, support affirmative action. And so like whenever you stand, when you're a white person who's advocating for free speech, they're like, oh, you just want free speech to say the N-word or something like that. It's like... Well, that would fall within that category, yes, because free speech means free speech, but that's not what it's about. It's about like political speech mainly. But I wanted to specifically respond to um. Uh, no, John, I want you to here, talk that, about John that we're spreading critical race theory. CC, the critical race theory people are white supremacists. They are, yes. <laughs> right. Yes. So again, Gloria, you're not getting it. No, no, it's CC. She's responding. to CC, yeah, yeah. We're not talking. We're talking yeah. about real. We have to acknowledge. There is these white supremacists, but it's not John Medlar or me. Okay. There are real, John, did you add the number? So let me open the call in. So I'm going to, if people want to call in, I think this should be able to work. I have the call in lines open. You can call in and you can talk about anything you want. We're going to have a discourse now. So call in, make your comment. I think this should be able to work. So call in. There's a number right there, 857-957-9545. But the bottom line of this discourse is if you if you see all these idiots on the internet, oh, my God, he didn't invent email. He didn't do this. Uh, why, do you, why are you saying that? Where do you get that? Is it your visceral reaction when you see this brown-skinned guy from Newark, New Jersey? Because if that it is, you're a white supremacist. And again, let me be clear. There are a lot of Indians who are white supremacists. This is not about race. It is attributing the domination of a set of people at these liberal institutions because they are truly the white supremacists. And I've walked you through this example with Walter Isaacson, who promotes white supremacy. Any questions? 857-957-9545. John, do you just want to call in to make sure it's working? Okay. So anyone can make a comment? Wow. Wow. We have no one, no one ready to speak, huh? Chris is saying that he's trying to call in. He says it's. Let me try. Oh, is he dialing the right number, John? Eight five seven nine nine seven. Oops, wrong number, Oops. John. Okay, sorry. So that's that's you my. You put the wrong number. Nine nine seven nine five four five, John. Let me change that. Nine nine seven. Sorry about that. My bad. All right. Sorry about that. 857-997-9545. Sorry about that. So you can ask any question, but let me just make a couple of points here that what's happening is the academics try to make this very, very like some weird conversation and they have all these black academics now. Okay. So we have a, let's bring the call in. Um, Someone is being screened. By the way, you can leave what you want to talk about, and I'll bring you on. Let's see who we got here. So let's bring the first number. Hello, who do we have? Hello? Hello? Yes, hi. You need to lower your sound in the background, but go ahead. 
Corey, you need to lower the sound in the background because we're getting all the echo. Can you please do that? One second. There's no sound in the background. Let me turn down this. One second. Yeah, you got to turn. Okay. So. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Is that better? Yep. Go ahead. So please yeah, make okay. your comment. Yep. Yeah, I know. I I know. I hear what you're saying, and I agree. Um. However, white supremacy is is hate by any other name. And I grew, I am white, lower middle class, and I feel this kind of prejudice from my own people. So, um... Can you explain that more, Tori? Can, can you explain that more? Well, yeah, I, I, I was going to do that in the chat, but you turned off the chat, so I couldn't put comments in the chat it's turned off oh that's weird reason. but look yeah i know but look i know i i understand i know i hear your pain your anger your rage your keen sense of justice and injustice i just think we need to keep i think we need to refocus because can you make your comment very very concise so every because we have about 20 other callers What's the point that you're trying to make? Can you okay, be, well, yeah? Can you be concise with it? I no, I, I can't really. But have a good night. Thank okay, you. thank you. Uh, <laughs> let me. If I understand what she was trying to say, I would say there are a lot of white people that hate other white people. Calling, calling studios, hosting, call screen. Yeah, hold on one second, John. I got to reconnect. Enter your six-digit PIN number. Okay, here we go. So we got our next caller. Host, you are now in the host room and can manage your callers from the call-in studio web interface. So someone says Chris is going to come on. recording is on dual channel. So let me bring Chris in. Go ahead, Chris, you're on. Hi, Chris. Uh, hey, Dr. Shiva. Good, Chris. Uh, by the way, anyone calling in, if you have a question, ask a question or keep your comments to 30 to 30 seconds to a minute, even though that's tight. So as you're waiting on the call, just try to be concise. Go ahead, Chris. Hey, uh, great, great talk tonight. And yeah, I just, I really love your direction here and you're going after the language. Cause these people pervert the language and they turn it and then use it against us. So they use it as a, as a sword and a shield against us and, and taking back that language and coming at them uh, and be and have a principle, you know, standpoint. I just love, I love the message. So great stuff. Yeah, Chris, I think you nailed it. And what's what I'm really very excited about is when I saw Julie put that out. They think, Chris, that white people are not going to get this. That they're going to bucket them into the conservative wing, like John talked about. Oh my God, I'm they're attacking me, or they're going to sucker them into the Black Lives Matter wing. You see what I'm saying? And I think the opportunity we have here is to get people into realizing that the word white supremacy should be used, but we should point it at the right person. So I'm glad we got that through. It's very nice having you, Chris. Julie, did you want to make a comment? Yeah, the, the basically fear is a currency of control. So they're going to they're going to use accusations, you know, against whites to target, you know, you know, half three, three quarters of the nation, whatever, and call them white supremacists. Because they, they create an atmosphere that makes people so fearful to even address 
white supremacy because number one, they don't want to be tagged as white supremacist or they're afraid of speaking out, calling somebody else white supremacist. Exactly. This fear that people have grips them. So if you could break away from the fear, then you break away from the control that they have or over the language and over the the whole narrative. And, and if enough people understand that they are able to turn the mirror around and to focus yep. it, to shine the light on where the true races, racism really is within, whether it's the medical, the biomedical security state, whether it's in the university setting, uh, the military industrial complex, all the, there's, there's a vast network that are working globally through, through different channels and they select, and then they, they, they bring up and they, um, they replace. So there's only a, a certain network of people or groups that are allowed in that um, yep. forum. But I think, I think the key, the, 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 the key thing here is they've come up with the term white supremacy, mm-hmm. which is who they are. Mm-hmm. And they have told white people, they're white supremacists. Mm-hmm. So they can hide their white supremacy. That's what the conundrum yeah. here is. And that's why it's very important to take this as Chris said, Point back at them. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Chris. Mm-hmm. Let me take the next call. Yep, they've done a lot of brainwashing of, of working class white people. Yeah. Think that only they yeah. 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 So yeah. So people. By the way, everyone listening, you know, go to. Tr- I'll, I'll give a whole truthfreedomhealth.com is an entire program we've created so we can start thinking beyond left and right, so we don't get caught in these labels. And it's a systems approach to understand it. So Chris, go check that out. Thank you. Let's take the next caller. Weird topic is regarding the gas at Joe Rogan. Go ahead. Something about Joe Rogan. Hello. Hi, Dr. Shiva. Hi. Yes, sir, Dr. Shiva. Hi. Quick, quick question. Just on, uh, I don't know if you had an opportunity to uh, catch up on the recent clip or, or guest on the Joe Rogan experience, specifically uh, Sitarth Carr regarding the cobalt mining issue going on in the condo. Yeah, I don't know if there's any connection there that you can do with uh, tonight. Well, well, so so Joe Rogan is one of the master grifters. But thank you. I'll, I'll let me comment on that. Joe Rogan is basically a master grifter. Okay, mm-hmm. he's part of one of the largest creative agencies on the planet. Uh, a guy called uh, Owen Benjamin has completely exposed Joe Rogan for what he really is. But Joe Rogan, basically, you have to understand these people are entertainers. They'll even take an issue, real issues, and they'll talk about it, but not when it's important to talk about them, when they can get views on them, right? When they can get some, uh, uh, it supports their branding. Joe Rogan, for example, in 2014, when we were exposing Monsanto, Joe Rogan actually had the Monsanto scientists on and, you know, lauding them. When the vaccine stuff went occurred, he was all pro-vaccine, and then when he saw the tide go the other, he goes, oh, maybe now I'm anti-vaccine. And then when Spotify shares fell, he said, no, maybe now I'm back to pro-vaccine. Okay? He's a complete scumbag. It's a different topic, but the white supremacists own Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. And they'll even say some good things, but way after the fact. And that's what Twitter Files is all about. But we'll come back to that. But thank you. That's the commentary I have on this. Let me take our next caller. It's Mary Johnson. She goes, I'm just being interesting to have a comment about white. Okay, let's see what she says. Go ahead, Mary. How are you? Hey, Dr. Shiva. It's so nice to watch you. I'm oh, good. I'm comment on when, when Jimi Hendrix came on the scene, there were a lot of white guitar players who were like put out of, out of work because he was so good. Uh-huh. Jimmy knew that. Jimmy knew that the power of love 
Yep. And so that was his philosophy, and he succeeded in exposing a part of himself that was neither white nor black, and everybody can relate to the power of love if they have the wherewithal within themselves to wake up. Thank you. Yeah, Mary, you're making a beautiful point. If you look at the vast majority of the human race, we instinctively know that we love our fellow brothers, sisters, everyone. These white supremacists so at Harvard and MIT, they yeah. actually hate you and they hate me and they hate everyone. Mm -hmm. And they perpetuate- well, said that, that evil is the, the love of money. There you go. And I, think, I think they're all out to get rich. Yep. Right. So the forces of power, profit and control are about that. That's why our movement yeah. for truth, freedom, health is all about truth, freedom and health. You know, it's not about power, profit and control. Yeah. So it's a way that we take the concepts of love and we materialize them by teaching people how to think, how people to get wise. And the reason I wanted to have this discussion was a very hard decision to have this discussion because I knew I had to sort of intersect these people are going to say, oh, my God, Shiva, have you become woke now? Those idiots with the same fact that there are the the woke people who have been misusing and taking calling people white supremacists. Right. But the solution is, yeah, the solution is we must call the white supremacists, white supremacists, the real ones. And like Julie said, turn the mirror right back at them. But thank you. Very nice to have you. I would also like to say, if I may, if I would also like to say that um, uh, if you truly love something, whether it's uh, your family, your home, your country, if you truly love something and something is desperately threatening that which you love, you're going to naturally have a righteous anger against that which threatens what you love. Mm -hmm. So all of these people that talk about like love, 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 and they don't, and they never get angry. I'm thinking, do you really love anything? Well, because the great, the great Thomas Aquinas, you know, is a great saint. Thomas Aquinas said, mm -hmm. if you do not get angry at immorality, then you are an immoral human being. Mm -hmm. Amen. I love Thomas okay. Aquinas. Yeah. So those people who are getting angry, my anger comes from a real righteousness. And I speak not only for, for me, but the billions of other people get screwed every day. Mm -hmm. So if you are not getting angry and you do not get angry, there's something immoral with you. Go look at your own morality. Please. And so also, we have, we have uh, Bob. Bob said, I'm from Bob. Are you there? I'm here. Hi, Bob. Go ahead. Hello. Go ahead, Bob. Um, yeah. So, so I'm watching your show. And um, first of all, I just, I'm a white guy. And I got to admit, you know, my defenses go up because you talk about white supremacy. And it kind of goes to like there's an episode of Star Trek where Captain Kirk is talking about well, sure, I'm a killer, but I'm not going to be a killer today. Uh-huh. Um, you know, but so I, I just think you're you're not doing your movement any favors by choosing the term white supremacy. I suggest it's ivory supremacy, um, you know, ivory tower and stuff, because it's just... Well, let, let, so I, I hear what you're saying, Bob. So what happens is, we can get sort of, okay, let's use a different term and let's come up with an effort. The reality is the term white supremacy is out there. I've been called a white supremacist. I don't know if you know that. John's been called a white supremacist, yeah, yeah. right? When I stood up for free speech. So the white supremacist, the real white supremacists, 
are using that term. Just like they took a rainbow, which is what Isaac Newton discovered, and now it's only can be owned by transgender and gay and whatever those people, right? Mm -hmm. So the point here is it's time that we these words are already pervasive. So by saying we don't have the manpower or the forces, you know how many billions of dollars you're going to have to spend to create a term called ivory supremacy? It sounds in theory good, but the reality is there are, the reality is, Bob, there are white supremacists. Of course there are. And we should call them out. I've been talking to my friends, all of whom are white, about actually how there's no difference when you get to the top levels of left and right. I call them all elites. Yep. Because because they're they're it's all about mostly about power. You know, once once you've got a giant house and you've done a million women, all that's left is power. It's all about power. Um, yeah. So I just you know, I guess you're trying to put you're trying to pull a Yankee doodle, you know, the story of that. That that was the song with the British soldier yeah. would deride revolutionary Americans with and then we turn around and we sang it back to them. So that's I I, th I think it's it's a stress. Bob, what's happened is when we ran, when John and I ran the free speech rally, I was called in the newspapers a Nazi, a white supremacist. And all of that was done out of a few scholars out of Harvard. Okay. And they are the white supremacists. Yeah. They want you to feel bad. Oh, you know what? I don't like the term white supremacist. You know what? We should say, you know what? I love that term. And you are a white supremacist. Mm -hmm. That's what they don't want you to do, Bob. They want you to cower around that word. They don't want you to have a discussion around it. And that's how we should turn it around. I think you're... I think your Yankee Doodle analogy nails it. Your Yankee Doodle analogy nails it. It's a great, great analogy. I also, I also like the Star Trek one. How about if I just go where, where Captain Kirk says, well, sure, I'm a white supremacist, but I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to exercise my supremacy today. You know, there's yeah. I just, it is, it is a bit problematic that even I, a very, very, very rational person, I would, I felt a bit attacked, even though I agree 100,000% with what you're saying. Right, but I'm saying that that attack that you feel is the oppression that they're doing. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Go ahead, Julie. Did you, I think Julie wants no, to say something. No, th that's the point I was trying to bring out in the, in the tweet, that the yeah. people, you know, it, it triggers something. There's a fear there, and people are afraid to have a conversation about it. But it, but the conversation has to be directed towards who the true white supremacists really are. Exactly. They want to call us white supremacists, mm -hmm. and, they, and they're doing that to make sure we never call them back that. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And again, okay. the Republican establishment will happily use the term racist. They'll say, oh, Democrats are the real racists. They won't say Democrats are the real white supremacists. No. Right? Because, they, because they play into that, the use of that weaponization of that term against working class white people. And so working class white people get all prickly when you say, when you even just use the term white supremacist. Ooh, but mm -hmm. me and Shiva have been called it so many times at this point that frankly, I'm desensitized to it. I don't care. You can think I'm <laughs> white supremacist all day. I don't give a, I don't give a darn. So we have Britton Winslow on from Orlando. I'm talking about the subject of uh, right to privacy and keeping people out of the loop. Go ahead, Britton. Hello, everybody. My name is Britton. I'm from Orlando, Florida. Thank you for taking my call. I, uh, I really like this uh, the subject here because, you know, even me, I'm a white person. I've been called a white supremacist because, <laughs> I mean, people don't really understand why. They just repeat what's on TV. 
And then, you know, I have to explain to them, you know, you can't be like, you know, the, the, the word white supremacy, like, first of all, you're not in a position of authority, of supreme authority doing all this stuff, moving billions of dollars, making stuff happen within a millisecond, you know, just to oppose some poor, you know, immigrant from somewhere else that has a better idea. And it's kind of ridiculous to say, oh, you're a white supremacist. Well, I mean, is that person really in a position of authority, supreme? Does they have any power? So that's it's an actually fantastic idea because, first of all, a lot of these people are, like, extremely pale and lame and weak. And, like, they don't really have any ideas or power. They just have this group, like, back in the, the 40s when they had the National Crime Syndicate just merges with governments and then have to make everything about some keeping up with the Joneses' petty nonsense every day so that people aren't like, hey, who's really doing all this? actual uh, center of power maneuvering, uh, you know, putting money in places and doing things like that's That's supremacy because that's a real position of authority supreme. Like yes. You to sit around all day and decide what other people should do with their lives and what you to think in their heads, but they want to get to see what you're doing. That's, that's I mean, right there. think about if you're on the right to your point, right? Or if you're just an honest person, a person who wants to see a better day. The BLM guys we know are complete scumbags, okay? They took advantage of black people. Yeah. Imagine how the BLM would be totally disarmed if every conservative, hardworking conservative started saying, you know what? Yeah, there is white supremacy. And I'm going to tell you exactly where it is. And it's over at Harvard University. They're the white supremacists. They're the white. I believe in white supremacy and they're over there. They're over there. That you, yeah, you, you we've just we've just like BLM is over. There, there is no more BLM because you admit there is white supremacy. Because the problem is the right wing and the left wing, the left and the right are created to perpetuate themselves. So the right attacks the left. Oh, my God, you guys are telling you guys are woke and there is no racism. And the left says, no, 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 you're right. You, you know, you guys are racist because you don't acknowledge racism. So the way that should happen is, yes, there is racism. And you know who the racists are? Walter Isaacson. That is over. Exactly. And that is the big epiphany I've had. And that's why I wanted to have this discussion because otherwise we're never going to make it out of this mm -mm. because you're going to have more and more white people cowering. Oh my God. Uh, I can't say anything. Uh, yeah. They're going to brand me as a white supremacist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's, exactly. it's the only way out of it. I realized was one of the things I realized was uh, during the, the George Floyd, uh, you know, the riots and all the thing that happened a couple of years ago, in the very beginning, everybody was on the same team. Like, oh my God, you know what? We've had it with this, the shutdowns of government right. and stuff. And then just as, as you've seen people, actually all the conservatives, everybody online agree, just mass amounts of thoughts and all this stuff. No, you can't agree. Oh my God, it's this and that. And just out of nowhere. Right. And absolutely, well, absolutely let me take a couple more. Unbelievable deed off the bat, yeah. Well, thank you for your comments. But I think, again, we're coming well, to this you. point that people, whether you're left or right, we have to acknowledge there is white supremacy. But it is not coming yeah. from everyday people. It's coming from these elites. And they never want that term used on them. So I say weaponize that term and use it on them. Thank you. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. Let's go to Shelly Paradise. Go ahead, Shelly. Yeah. Hi. Hi, Shelly. How are you? I am having a hard time with your, station, with your radio broadcast. This broadcast has too many people talking at once. It's very hard for me to tell you how I feel about this because I'm trying to listen to this person that's already talking. Who's and talking right now? The only Shelly, you're the only person talking now. 
Oh, but I, I must just, because I have you on the air on my phone. Okay, hang on. I'm just going to tell you that this country is in big trouble because we are, I worked in Congress. I know how crooked it is there. I was in House Ways and Means and Senate Budget. Uh-huh. I left because it's an inaccurate congressional record. I'm a stenographer. I was. I'm retired now. I did that 20 years. Then I went to federal court. It isn't any better. State court. Then I had, you have, there was a talk radio show on years ago here, and I spoke against Obama's making home unaffordable. For the people in this country lost their homes in 2008. If you remember that four years of his reign, everybody should be extremely upset still because that has not been fixed. When my husband and my father died in the same year, I was about to die, and I asked for making home affordable and applied for it four times. The goddamn Bank of Destroy America lost my paperwork four times. That's unconscionable. So then I got so phone sh- calls from my father, from the IRS. So Shelly, we have a... So my if you so can I'm just... I'm going to tell you, this has to be remedied. We need to fight. Yes. I agree with you, Dr. Chiba. I agree with Ayurveda. I've studied it 13 years. Uh-huh. This stupid shit came down. And, 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 and our president, Obama, in cahoots with Bank of Destroy America, I learned, received $2,000 for every foreclosure they did. In this country, millions of people lost their homes. Yep. That is one of my problems. The other thing is then I went to school for culinary, and I found out how corrupt our academia is in every single yep. school I've ever been to. But this was the worst. Because I fought them, they wanted to throw me out of school, and they lost. I am willing to fight with you for all So, Shelly, this is my – this is my – so, first of all, I feel your pain. I want you to go to truthfreedomhealth.com. We are building a global community. I'm a member. I oh, you are great. I've, great. I've, yes, yes. Okay. And I was trying to get the difference between Sita. I already looked it up. Okay. And, uh, well, Shelly, I, 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 so tomorrow, so, so, so tomorrow we're having an orientation. If I know you've been to, but please come. I have another ten callers. I want to get them in. But thank you so much for sharing your 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 situation. I, I, I know how I can help you. I Thank you. I could come to well, come come tomorrow and let's talk. Thank you, Shelly. Yes, sir. I'll be there. Thank okay, you. bye. Well. Be well. Have a blessed Yep. Let's go to the next person. It says Edward. Uh, go ahead, Edward. You're on. Yes, Dr. Shiva. How are you? Good. So, I think, I think we can leave me. Yeah, yeah, so if you could make a comment, because I want to try to get everyone on or your question as succinctly as possible, but I don't want to cut you off because I want to, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I think we can alleviate a lot of the concerns of the previous callers um, by actually getting specific about who the white supremacists are. Uh-huh. You got into it on the, the main level, like naming who they are, yeah, but there's an organization called white supremacists. Uh, there's, but there are there is an organization that only allows in white people that is very powerful. Yeah. It's called Masonry. And it still exists. Yeah. And I'm a person, I fought on the streets. 
I can tell you, I, I never saw Antifa one time and I've been tracking their movement. I've never seen them one time uh, <clears throat> vandalize a Masonic lodge. And wow, that's interesting. It is. Uh, yeah, huh? What is that, Julie? No, it's that's interesting insight. Uh, a kid at the Chaz Chop Zone uh, in Seattle. I, I know I just, you know, Horace Lorenzo had this one junior. Uh, okay, so so let's. People don't even talk about them. Well, I think so. Your point is, you're you're making the point that the white supremacists, a small group, are the ones who unleash this fight between black and white, right? Yes. But, okay. Don't you right. Well, no. Well, that's that's the point. Look, the, look. The the broader thing, once we understand this core principle, is the following: white supremacists do not. They love race war. They want. Yes. white people fighting against black people and they want white people to when i say white people i'm talking about the broad mass of white people and they want them fighting with black people and then they want black people you know getting uh you know putting their heels in digging their heels in but thank you let me take the next caller thank you very much let's go to the next person um hello go ahead hello hello Hi, can you introduce yourself? Hey, Go ahead. Hey, Dr. Sheep. How are you doing? This is Moses. Give me a call. Can Moses, yeah. How, how are you, Moses? What would you like to say? I just, just want to say, um, I have to look at my point. Uh, I was having this conversation that I definitely truly needed. Uh, I was kind of watching through the chat, and I was watching a lot of people were kind of, you know, thrown off by, you know, the conversation that you were having. But I just want to a lot of people. Please don't get hung up on the term white supremacy. I think you did an excellent job kind of expressing what you what you were saying because that word has been used as a weaponized and used as a cudgel to, you know, kind of to put people in a you know, cast people in a bad light. But at the same time, what you also highlighted was how academia especially you know, it changes history, it changes the use of terminology and it weaponizes weaponizes it along the masses to where people, you know, they get beaten with that word, but at the same time, what you all understand is, hey, these people are using this word against you. We are in a war. And what you have to realize is you have to take the terms that they use against you and use it against them. Yep. So I, I, I think this is a very, you know, important conversation. I want to thank you again for having this conversation. Uh, you pulled me out of this left-right uh, paradigm. <laughs> Six months ago, I joined your uh, system science course because I was very interested. I, I just didn't, didn't want to sit on the sideline and be idle. I wanted to be active and, you know, get involved and kind of help awaken other people who are caught and trapped into this system that keeps us in the same, you know, hopeless state and, give, you know, constantly giving us false hope. All these new supposed people that come along and suppose, oh, this guy's going to fix it, this guy's going to fix it. Exactly. And that's, that's where Thank it... Thank you for everything that you do. Thank you. Well, what I'm really excited by is that we are building a movement just to just briefly. I, I just want to play us a quick video because I just want to get this uh, take. I don't want to take a break, but I just want to I haven't done any sort of advertising here or promotional stuff here on Truth, Freedom and Health. And that's not a good thing. I want to let people know, in the spite of all of this problems we're identifying, we actually have a solution. And the only solution is black people, white people, people of all races building a bottoms up movement, working people and exposing those forces of power, profit and control. And that's what we've done. And that's really been my life journey 
to do that. And, and the the uh, it's best articulated by a website that I encourage everyone to go to called truthfreedomhelp.com. And on this website, it's been a life work. It's called Get Educated or Be Enslaved. And this system, bigger than email, I think I've created, will teach you that there's 12 components. First of all, I want you to go, first of all, we have a community, a global community, 95 countries. And if you go read our stories, these are everyday people like you. We're building a bottoms up and we're not going to outsource our future to false gods, Donald Trump or Barack Obama or Elon Musk, none of these people. And we have a history of winning. And what you realize is that the problem we're identifying, there's so much information out there, but without the, the elites just give us a little piece of it. So they brand you as a white supremacist or they call you this name or that name. And the goal is to split you into left and right. So that's why this discussion is interesting because I believe based on the comments, we've made a huge gain because the elites want to take information and they want to, just take a piece of it. Oh, John's a white supremacist. He supports free speech. Shiva's a white supremacist. And that leads either to people to get into this left, right. People say, screw it. I'm just going to go off, sit under a mountain, or I'm going to do something desperate. And what you find is that the reality is that the elites have also created these people, the Tucker Carlson's, the Joe Rogan's, the Alex Jones. These are entertainers or gurus or Trump or the left and the right to basically entertain people. They're the machinery of ignorance. And what it really leads to is to recognize the only way out of this is knowledge. And knowledge is different than information. Knowledge is really understanding how to interconnect stuff, having these subtler conversations that we're trying to do today, because the elite sure don't want us to have this. And that leads to wisdom and clarity. And you start really getting active. You start saying, you know what? I understand what they're actually trying to do. I understand their dynamics. You get innovative, you get organized. But in order to do this, to those of you who started the call thinking we're in this left, like, left right camp, you got to let go of the old. You got to become your own guru. You have to learn how to think. Now, fortunately, the system I put together teaches you the science of systems. It teaches you how to understand your body as a system. So you take, I mean, it took me 40 years to put this course together. You don't have to spend $100,000. You join. You become part of not only learning the course, the science of systems, but you get all the books. You could pay hundreds of dollars. I give that away as a part of this. You get the tools. You get to understand your body as a system. You get to understand many, many things. But most importantly, we've created a community here. And we teach you how to get on the ground and educate people. And we do. We have our own version of Twitter and Facebook. But it's behind on our server so we can build a movement. That is what the movement for truth, freedom, and health is. And I needed to share that because it is this movement that is going to give us the ability to think beyond left and right. But without this training, we would never really be able to have this discussion. So I'm very, very pleased we have this discussion. Let me take our next caller. Um, the next caller, you're on. Hello, who do we have? Hi, Dr. Sheila. How are you? Just want to thank I'm good. How are you? Good. Go ahead. Major kudos and major congratulations of being the inventor of email. That is freaking awesome. Thank you. And just like, that's really cool to really know the history and background behind that. Um, so I get the, my question is, I get the meaning you're saying of white supremacists. My thing is like, so now how do we define the people who like, for example, or in a field of power, let's say like a cop who 
there's a video recording of them treating a minority in a very bad way. So we wouldn't label them as minority. Well, 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 so, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, so look, here's the deal, right? If you have, what I'm saying is if you look at all these incidents, right, of injustice that are taking place, right? Let's say a, a cop beating up a person that he has no right to do, right? That cop should be prosecuted, right? Whether it's beating up a black person, a white person, a woman, okay? And that's occurring every day all over the world. There are crooked cops everywhere. You go to... In fact, there's crooked cops all over the world, right? Because they've been given authority and they can exercise that authority um, without any regard for the law, right? Okay, so that's one set of things. What we're talking about is, in, right, are people stealing or doing petty crime or whatever? There's a whole set of characters who do that, the lumpen elements, right? But what we're talking about is the cop who goes and does something like that the criminal activity he or she may do is at a different level of criminality than a professor at Harvard, okay? Writing a paper, okay? Where he is defining, oh my God, okay, like the historian here, Thomas Haig, who wrote the history on email because what, what people need to understand with academia, do you know academics, when they get tenured, they never have to work again ever? They get full salary for the rest of their lives. Yeah, it's called tenure. It's like the old priesthood, okay? So they get these tenured positions and they have massive authority, more than even heads of state. Go look at something like Henry Kissinger or Brzezinski or all the Condoleezza Rice. Presidents come and go, but have you noticed the academics are always there? Henry Kissinger's been there forever. He's like a vampire, okay? The guy's always there. You know, or look at Fauci, another white supremacist. Mm -hmm. 20 presidents have come. He's still there. The academics are the real masters of white supremacy because they're the ones who come up with thought. You see, thought precedes, information precedes energy and matter. You have a thought. They put thoughts out in the world. Oh, women are dumb. Hmm, that's a good thought. We can oppress lots of women. We can pay them 50 cents less than the other person, right? Okay, we're going to put another thought. Black people are dumb. White working class people are all rednecks, okay? And they write papers on this. They control large aspects of human discourse, okay? So they will write a paper in a journal, and then the media picks up on it, and that becomes a discourse. So, for example, the academics who wrote a a bogus paper for 16 years saying that Alzheimer's was caused by certain things. The guy made up all the data for 16 years. Billions of dollars went into this bogus research. So imagine a, a academic writes, you know, uh, a woman with blonde hair, we've done some genetic research. They're actually dumb. They're only good for being strippers. And they may write an article like that. I'm just making this up, Okay. And, and, and many times they have done stuff like that, by the way. So every blonde-haired kid who grows up says, oh, I guess I should only be a stripper. And they demean women through various ways, and men and others. And their ideas become pervasive. It's far different than a cop beating someone illegally. See what I'm saying? That occurs. I'm talking about they write a paper. They get the Nobel Prize for something that could be completely bullshit. 
and they get to and they get to decide who gets printed in journals and who doesn't. Right. So we're talking about when when something comes out like this is the truth, right? Everyone should take vaccines, right? Who decided that? It wasn't a cop who beat somebody. He should be thrown in jail if he did it wrong, right? It's an academic. With, yeah, yeah. So what I'm saying is they control vast amounts of human thought. It's academic malpractice. Yeah, it's basically criminal what they do. Mm-hmm. So they have come up with the thesis. We are going to start calling people white supremacists. That's what I'm trying to get across here. So white people shouldn't take this personally. You should realize that they weaponize stuff against you. So take that weapon, call them white supremacists because they are the real white supremacists. That's what I'm trying to say, but thank you. Awesome, got it now. And yep. Thank you. Let's go to the next person, Doug. Go ahead, Doug. Doug, this is my name. Go ahead, Doug. Sorry, I got it. Go ahead, Doug. Doug, are you there? Hi, Doug. It is 1109. John, how are you doing? Should we take three more questions? That's fine. Doug, are you there? Okay, I'm going to drop this guy. By the way, when I bring you on the call, please lower your background noise because it's really not fair to others because we're hearing all this background. Alexis Tudor. Go ahead, Alexis. Yeah. Hi, Alexis. If you can be brief, if you can take... You know, 10, 15 seconds to say what your question is, your comment, because I want to try to get others in. Go ahead. Sure. Yeah. Uh, basically, the uh, you know they, they do this with everything, whether it's terrorism or you know like that's you know they'll call the certain people terrorists when they're really the tech. The true exactly. Terrorists. You nailed it. And that's a great example. Trick in the book. Right. Mm-hmm. I think you nailed it. Yeah. And I think you nailed it. I think if people can understand that these constructs, they call. Everyday people, I mean, the British called when we, when the American Revolution, oh, those guys are terrorists. They were the terrorists. Right. Same old bullshit. Same old bullshit. Thank you. Great point. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Have a good night. Good. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So let's go to Victor from Latin America. Go ahead, Victor. If you can, again, be very, very brief and make your point succinctly. Go ahead, Victor. Hi, Victor. Hello, we lose Victor. Okay, we lost Victor. Let's go to the next person. Lover boy, shooting state. Uh, would like to explore the possibility of utilizing billion. Okay, go ahead, lover boy. Hello. Hi. Again, if you can be brief and with your comment or your question, go ahead. Am I? Am I on? Yeah, you're on. Hi, how are you? This is Dr. Okay. Shiva, John, and Julie. Go ahead. We, we talked a week ago, Monday, Dr. Shiva, you actually returned my call. Thank God you're a real person. And uh, I appreciate so much what you're saying after 30 years of public office holder as a Republican. Uh, here at Hanford, we have a multi-billion dollar assets going to waste that are a uh, basically uh, a epitome of a uh, the system as it is being destroyed. I would like to invite you, Dr. Shiva. We have some very good technical scientists that are available uh, to rebuild these systems and build a national uh, uh, story like it should be built. You would be a national hero for doing this. And 
uh, I have the access to the scientists and the teams that uh, uh, ran those projects. Okay, so why don't you? Yeah, so why don't you send me an email and we'll. I've been out to Hanford. My sister was one of the. I think she was a director, medical director, many many years ago, doing all the testing. But okay. let me. So my email is va shiva. John will put it up on the comments. Va shiva at va shiva dot com. But thank you. Good hearing from you again. Be well. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you. Yep. Let's go to our next caller. Um, I'm not gonna. I think I'm gonna stop taking calls. Um, so. Um, but let's go. I want to make sure. I know people have been waiting. Go ahead. Uh, I don't know who we have, but can you please tell us your name and your comment or question? Go ahead. Hello. Hello. Hi, how are you? Hello. Hello, can you? Yes, we can hear you. Please state your comment. Yes. Or, yes. This, is this is let's talk about it. Yes. And the reason why I was, um, I want to say thank you, by the way, for what you're doing, because it's very, very important to wake up the masses. You're welcome. And I also wanted to um, point out the fact that I believe that the white, the white supremacy situation is um, an ideology, kind of like the transgenderism or whatever. Just another example of what they use as a tool in their tool belt. Yeah. Would. I think that overall it's a bigger situation that I think these are just a whole bunch of distractions because I believe that the globalists are all the elite or a bunch of globalists and they're, I believe that the, they're all working together and I'm talking about many more countries than just ours. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think it's, transnational. I think it's bigger than what people see and I appreciate Well. Well, I think you're absolutely appreciate how you can break it down. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for your comment. And by the way, go check out truthfreedomhealth.com. We're going to play a video before we end, but thank you for your kind comments. Thank you. Let's go to Jenna. Jenna, uh, go ahead, Jenna. Go ahead, Jenna. Hi, Jenna. How are you? Do we have Jenna? Jenna, nice to have you. This is Dr. Shiva. And, and uh, John and Julie, can you uh, state your your comment or your your question? Go ahead, Jenna. Hello, Jenna. Okay, I think we lost Jenna. Let's go to the next person. Uh, Sherry. Um, okay, go ahead, Sherry. Sherry's got a great question. Go ahead, Sherry, if you're there. Hi, Dr. Thank yeah, yeah. So breaking that down for us uh, to, to understand. Um, I have a question uh, with this particular topic. I'll, I'll make it brief. Yeah. When you're talking, I'm having this conversation with people, and they, as soon as you start talking about this, they throw the oh, that's your white fragility talking, and so they shut the conversation right down. So I'm wondering if you. Yeah. So let's let's let, so let's have so let's just do a yeah. So so let's just do a quick or sort of a rehearsal. So tell me what you tell me what I would say and how, what they come back with. Go ahead. Let's just play it well, back. I could, you know, I could just discuss with you what we're hearing here. You know, that, they, that there's a hierarchy, that people are kept out, you know, and it can be just super basic and not even, and people just, I've had people just get all bristled. Oh, that's just your right fragility, fragility talking. And then you'll give them examples, you know. 
specific example. No, no, no. So, so give me the exact yeah. discussion. So you're talking. You're saying you're talking to a liberal or a conservative. So someone's a liberal. Oh, yeah. Normally, it's a, it's a, you know, right. always a liberal. And 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 what will they? Yeah. So I just want to just walk us through. So what do you approach them with, or what do they approach you with? Uh, well, that's just your white fragility talking, or, or you're a white. Maybe you're a white supremacist, and you don't know that you are. In response, in, white yeah, but in response to what, Sherry? Why do they say that? Whatever topic, uh, and it could be I'm just repeating something like what we're talking about here. You know, there are people, there's reasons why these things are happening. You know, you just start a discussion You're right. along the lines. Of right, it, so so this is what, what, what so uh, in Truth, Freedom, and Health, we have a chart. So when someone talks about that you are a white supremacist, right, I think the most mm -hmm. important thing to come back to them is with the following. You see, you cannot discuss the issue of racism or sexism without tying it to economic exploitation. Let me repeat that again. Mm -hmm. And that is what these people do. You cannot discuss racism, real racism, or real sexism without connecting it to ex economic exploitation. Let me explain what I mean. You see the elites who are the real perpetrators like Walter Isaacson, right? Or others of the real white supremacy what they do is they talk about white supremacy, you see, but they never connect it to the fact that there are a small number of people carrying this out. It's not like Joe white person is exploiting billions of people. You see what I'm saying? It's not yeah, Joe. A lot of people believe that. And right, right. But that's, that's what you, so, so the, so the goal. No, no, no. That the best way to go to them is with numbers, with facts. Okay. So the fact is the following, which okay. set, which institution in the world right now, you can ask them, okay, uh -huh. controls, you know, the flow of information on science, on me uh, medicine and health, on education, on every topic you can think about. Who controls the narrative on that? Ask them that. Is it me? No, surely not. I don't have access. I can't make one phone call and be every, you know, uh, media station overnight, right? Pushing, let's say, climate change. Mm -hmm. You should ask them that. Who controls the media? Who? Who controls the narratives that are written, right? And you can say, you don't control it, nor do I control it. That's where we have to start at. Who has infinite control and economic control? And that's what you have to ask them. When they talk about that, you have to go to the economics. Yeah. Right. Because they want it. So it's like the feminist movement. When the bourgeois feminists talk about sexism, they're talking about more Hillary Clintons and more Kamala Harris's, right? They say, oh, more uh, uh, women in, in high offices, we're getting liberation. But they do not want to talk about the majority of women who are hardworking women who can't even... Uh, take the train in Boston because the infrastructure's screwed up and they have to spend two hours going back and forth. That's not, they're not talking about feminism, but until you, when you divorce the real struggles of the real sexism and the real racism from the economic thing, you get this bougie shit. Okay. And that's what they do. So they talk about nonsense like transgenderism and all this crap, which doesn't affect the majority of working people, the majority of working people right. have four hundred dollars in their bank account. Hillary Clinton has mm -hmm. God knows how much, ten billion dollars in her bank account. 
and we're and when she talks about sexism, she is completely divorced from everyday working people. Mm-hmm. When Barack Obama talks about r- racism, he has no idea what he's talking about. So it's easy for him to call people. John Medlar is a white supremacist because he attended a Boston Free Speech rally. He's a white supremacist because he has economic control. He can make a few phone calls mm-hmm. and you know mm-hmm. get loans done for himself. He can make a few phone calls and have billions of dollars move overnight. I mean, there's $600 trillion that are transacted every freaking day. And there's probably 50 people who control that. That's what we're talking about. So these people- Freedom and health movement to, to get yes. through this with people. Yes. I'm getting this wall and it's just getting me nowhere. Yeah. So we used to come to. Solution to yeah. So, that. yeah. I don't know if you're a warrior scholar, but go through, but we have a very powerful oh, yeah. way we discuss that. Okay. In one of the things we talk about race. So the left says there is racism, kill every white person. And the right says there is no racism. You say we're not going to win this from the left attacking the right, the right attacking the left. The right needs to be attacked oh, from yeah. the right. The right needs to be attacked from the right and the left needs to be attacked from the left. The left who call people white supremacists. Right. The left needs to be attacked as white supremacists. Right. But that's why. I have a quick question. Do you think that 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 whole thing is their system? What's that? Is that just organic, or do you think that was a system? That whole gatekeeping thing where you can't even talk about it, because there's no breaking through that wall with them. Well, there is. Our movement exists. So the good news is, yeah, the good news, I'm going to take another call, Sherry, but look, here's the good news. Okay. The movement for truth, freedom, and health exists. We have these conversations. We have 350,000 people globally. Over 250 million people know about us. Even though they threw me off Twitter, you know, wherever I go, people have heard about our movement and seen our videos. And we don't kowtow to Elon Musk or Donald Trump or Joe Biden. And that's why they try to make us invisible because we don't owe the left or the right anything. So this is a future. We have to build the bottoms up movement and we have to have these very tough conversations and we have to break people away from this mindset. Oh my God, he's just said white supremacy. That's affecting me. I'm a white person, right? People have to get over that. And then we have to call out the liberal elites. Just like the person said, it is the elites who oppress people who call people terrorists. They're the terrorists. We need to call them terrorists. We need to call them white supremacists. Let me take the next call. Malcolm God. We have a few more calls. Go ahead, Malcolm. Go ahead, Malcolm. I heard the beep. Is it me? Yep, go ahead. Okay. So I want to thank you personally for all the help that you did during the... um, Fauci pandemic. Yep. And I wanted to offer my own help. I'm involved with a group of guys and we're kind of, I think this is kind of an advanced subject for a lot of people. It is. I, I, uh, I get where you're going. Um, I'm involved with the guys who call ourselves a gulag gang. And uh, I think something that may help uh, is if people look into how certain groups and entertainment started. Uh, like the NAACP and how that operates, I would you know go all the way back to who started it, and then with um, like BET Television, I would look into well who who so, owns that and who runs that and how do they run it. Well, let me tell you, and we don't. I, I so, just wanted to offer that help. Yeah. So let me just tell you, I, I, you should come to Truth, Freedom, and Health tomorrow. We have a big open house. John, can you put the thing there, the the banner? Let me tell you what. Their thing is the elites and the real white supremacists, right? 
They have so many tentacles and you could chase down everyone all day long. Okay. But once you understand systems principles, you can see all of it in one shot. And the reality is there is something called the not so obvious establishment. It is in systems theory, we call it a disturbance. And the elites are become very clever. So whenever a real movement comes up of everyday people, like we're a movement, we're having this conversation right now. And I can guarantee you, there are probably some agents on here listening. And they're like, holy shit, they're having the conversation that should not be taking place. Because they want us to be, oh my God, I'm a right winger and I, don't, I want my guns. And people are trying to take away my guns or the left wing. Oh my God, you know, blah, blah, blah. You're a racist, right? They don't want to have people having this conversation. So so whenever bottoms up movements come, like let's say the real civil rights movements or the real anti-war movement, they anoint people top down. They go, the Kennedys go and find Martin Luther King and they anoint him. Or India, they anointed Mahatma Gandhi, you see? So they create these fake leaders to take advantage. The NAACP, the Southern National, and I've studied this very, you should come to our movement, Southern National Christian Conference, including Martin Luther King, these were all anointed ones from top down and they took away the bottoms up leaders. And all of these are institutionalized wings of the elites. They're the not so obvious establishment, but please come to truthfreedomhealth.com. Um, but we teach people the, the dynamics. So we don't have to say, oh my God, I'm going to follow this thread and this thread because there are too many threads and you could spend a whole life figuring out all their tentacles. But thank you. We want to go to the head of the snake. I saw this whole machine and how it works in every facet when I uh, I grew up around Minneapolis. And that's really one of the- Oh yeah, you guys were hit things. hard with all that crap. So, yep. Oh yeah, I yep. saw how it all works, so. Well, anyway, come come tomorrow. Thank you. I'll come tomorrow. Yep, come tomorrow. By the way, I'm sorry, to, come tomorrow. John's putting it out there. John, it's the, yeah, tomorrow, go to vashiva.com slash orientation. Come to RSVP. Anyone can attend. We have two sessions at 11 a.m. and 8 p.m., but we get more deeper. Let me go to Sandy. Sandy's calling from um, – go ahead, Sandy. How are you? Oh, Sandy's coming on. Go ahead, Sandy. Hi. I'm sorry I kept you waiting. Andy. 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 This is Andy from uh, California, and uh, I just was calling to say thank you, Dr. Shiva, for creating email. I first saw you on the Owen Benjamin the other day. Uh, really good stream. I uh, just uh, want to say I appreciate your work and what you're doing and just keep keep it up and keep uh, revealing the truth there. Thank you. Come tomorrow and join the movement for Truth for the Health. You'll find a lot of uh, people, awesome people like Owen and others there. But please join. and look, look forward to seeing you there. Dr. Shiva, before you bring anyone else yeah. on, I, I wanted to, I wanted to um, uh, quickly respond to what you just said about the following all these threads all these tentacles, because there's a lot of people I see in the comments and I had a trouble picking just one comment, but there's a lot of people in the comments here saying, you need to talk about Freemasonry or you need to talk about the Jesuits or you need to talk about the Zionists specifically. And if you don't, or and if you don't talk about this one specific group that then, then you're missing the whole point. Yeah. So, so John is saying, look, the elites want everyone here chasing down different rabbit holes. They don't want us uniting and understanding these common systems principles. If you remember that, what's that movie? Star Wars, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, what Luke Skywalker does is a good analogy. He finds that one point on the Death Star. Mm -hmm. And if you hit that one point, you nail everything, you liberate everything. And that is what our movement does. We are finding those singular points 
And that's a systems perspective. I'm chasing here and I'm chasing there. You got everyone running around. We got to understand that the systems of power at the center point all aggregate to not just one individual, but they're a swarm. It's not some, oh my God, the Rothschilds over here and the blah, blah, blah over here. You're going to be chasing around every day long. It is a system of power. It's a finite set of people that work very consciously to put out thoughts out there to brainwash masses of people. Mm-hmm. Once we understand that dynamic, that is a real power. You have to understand that dynamic, the mechanics of that, and then you become liberated. And the real victory here is you raising your consciousness and understanding this dynamic. This discussion we're having here is recognizing, oh, white supremacy is a weaponization. It's a much deeper concept that the elites do to make me as a white person think I'm bad. And it is a very powerful tool. Now, once you understand that, and it is a tool that's being used right now in history to separate black and white. And what is the solution? We call them white supremacists. We identify the source of white supremacy. Harvard University is a source of white supremacy. Yale is a source of white supremacy. Okay? And you can go on. And then you then you, then you say that's like the Death Star. That's that one point. Mm-hmm. And we call them white supremacists. And we expose them. And that's why the invention of email, beyond the fact that I invented email, the powerful nature of the story is that it gives you an ability to take that story and say, wait a minute, the facts are so black and white. A friend of mine said there's a movie. I haven't seen a movie. He's going to send me the link that there's a street and across the street is an amazing city, but all the adults walking by don't even see the city, but the kids do because their eyes haven't been biased. It's called implicit bias, but the adults don't. So the elites know how to create these implicit biases, you see? And then they come up with terms. And that is the, the that is the power of power, profit, and control. So it's not about the Jesuits and this. It's about our mind. It's about how they instantiate these things. So we are the source of our own liberation. And this is what we have to understand. And the only way you get to that, where heaven meets earth, is the knowledge of system science. Let me take the next call. Second, the second initiate actually nails it here. The elites are not a monolith, but they are competing factions, but they all all exist yeah. in the framework yeah. that they Thank mutually you. agree on. Yep. Go ahead, Jason. How are you? Please make oh, your... Excellent, Dr. Yeah, please. Absolutely love and live with you guys. I, I just wanted to bring up Bill Gates, because yep. I think it's very important to ask you, is he not a supreme white supremacist? And I ask that because... You know, this guy's endangering blacks to where the African women are crying, as I think you know, putting out dangerous vaccines, and then he pretends that he cares for black people. I mean, is that... Oh, yeah. I mean, he's he's the epitome of that. But again, you know, he's part... He is not that Mm -hmm. different than the Kennedys. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. Because Robert Kennedy is like this with Hillary Clinton. And he says he's an anti-vaxxer. I can play you a video where he says, I am pro-vaccine. I'm all pro-vaccine. So it's a swarm of people. They even will write against the other person to manipulate people. But they all want us to go upwards to Malibu or to Aspen to look to them. And that's the real false God. What you're talking about is Bill Gates is trying to set himself up as he's a messiah for people. He's going to go and take care of malaria. He's going to go give vaccines. The Kennedys are the ones who are going to build our movement. 
the Elon Musks, exactly. who, right? And that is what we're talking about. There's a larger, when you just look at Bill Gates, you miss the bigger picture. The bigger picture is Bill Gates, yeah. all Elon Musk, all these guys are a swarm. And the awful, disgraceful thing is, oh my God, what is Elon going to do for free speech? I'm going to wait for him. I'm going to go to the Twitter files, Kim.com. I mean, this is all bullshit. It's all making people bow down to false gods. That's the bigger piece oh, here. Not, uh, we're not doing it, Dr. Shiva, as you know, and I thank you for that and everybody that's, uh, that works with you. We're waking up, as you say, millions of people, bottoms up, and we're going to destroy the establishment a lot of ways in the years to yep. come. Thank you. Yeah, but the destruction of the establishment comes from each person becoming the light and awakening their consciousness to this. We don't need to really go destroy every, anything. Because if each person raises their consciousness, it's over. Like there's no one to con right. be controlled by. So we have to get away from what a movement is. A movement is you getting it. You being able to articulate mm -hmm. it. You having the courage and the, the, the ability to have this kind of discussion. Thank you. Well, I'm going to take that leadership course, Dr. Shiva. I can't wait. I keep saying it. I try to. Yep. And Take it. Okay, great. Thank you. Let's Thank go. Over. We have our, I, I promise we get everyone because I don't want um, people to feel gypped here. Um, so that was Jason. Let's go to uh, Dr. Shiraz. Go ahead, Dr. Shiraz. And then we have three more people and then we're done. Dr. Shiraz. Hello, Dr. Shiraz. Oh, oh, we have some, uh, hello. Who do we have? Hello. Yes, that person's not there. Let's go to uh, the next person. Hello, who do we have? Hello, how are you? Make sure I'm still on. Hello. Oops, I got to call back in. I think I I did something stupid here. One second. Thank you for calling Colin Studios host and call screener line. Please enter your show or meeting number in press pound. Hold on one second, guys. I disconnected. Enter your six-digit PIN number. Welcome, host. You are now in the host room and can manage your callers from the call-in studio web interface. Audio recording is on. Dual channel. Okay, go ahead. Who do we have? Hello? Hello, hello? Hi, go ahead. You're on. Hello? I'm on? Yeah, go ahead. What is your question yeah, or comment? Yep. I had a question about, uh, so I'm a little disturbed. I'm here in California. Some guy got arrested for insulting people at a restaurant. He got charged with hate crime. Okay. And, you know, it's news. And, you know, um, didn't that like an impingement on free speech or something? Like, how is that a hate crime? And, and like, who? How they come off like love Nazis, like making you have to love people. You're like, you don't yeah, so, yeah, so let me address that. Yeah, so let me just, let me, you're bringing up an interesting point. Yeah, so let me address your observation. So what he's talking about is you have um, organizations, right, um, like California, right, who are actually, I don't know what's going on here. Let me just sign back in. You have organizations like California, which are trying to impose right? This concepts of human behavior, right? They're trying to manipulate people 
into this behavior. Maybe both of you guys want to talk about that where I sign back in. Go ahead, John and um, Julie. Yeah, it's a all, all of this comes back to back to control. And like you like you've said, Doctor Shiva, the the left will make will boil down quote unquote racism or white supremacy. Says, oh, just don't say the n word. And now they've expanded it to that to uh, like like hate crimes laws. The idea that you can be arrested for quote unquote insulting someone. I mean that, that that's that would seem to go against the the First Amendment about the whole free speech issue that we've often talked about. They try but, to legislate it, but it's yeah. They're trying to they're trying to the, legislate the elites are the ones who created the divisive world, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and now they're so so they created the division among black and white because they're the white supremacists, and then. They're in a very so now they want to control that division. It's like they want to have a controlled nuclear fusion, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or controlled fission reaction. Mm-hmm. So they created they created this divisiveness, and then they impose laws to further control black people and white people. So a white person who undergoes that, they're going to get even more pissed off, mm-hmm. and that's going to and then and then rightfully they can say, see, they're the quote unquote white supremacists. Mm-hmm. So this is all about massive, like you said, John and Julie, control, control, control. Mm-hmm. And it's coming top down from a few set of people who are designing these strategies, the real white supremacists. It's psychological warfare. Right. They want so to create our last, out. Let's take mm-hmm. our last one from Deepika. Or, 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 uh, go ahead, Deepika or Faith. Who do we have? Hello? Yeah, can you speak a little louder so we can get you come closer to the microphone? Hi. Yep, got I'm sorry, go ahead. Hello? Yes, go ahead. Who is it? Who, when you say reach here, where is this Shreya from Germany? Okay. Well, let me, let, yeah. So, so let's just, so let's just stop right there. You know, we just challenge Elon Musk to put me on. I don't know if you see, we have 20 million views that have gone viral. There's been a hundred articles that have been written. Yeah. So, 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 yeah. So, Yeah. So, so the issue is, Shreya, it is what is, what is you, what is you, what, what is it you're going to do? Okay. Because by myself, we've gotten this out to about 200 million people. So we have to get away from this attitude. Oh my God, Elon Musk, no one's listening. No one's listening. You know what? A lot of people are actually getting it. And the people who are getting it are very smart people who are very articulate and who can communicate it to other people. Now, the worst thing would be for movement like ours did not exist. The world would be in total darkness. So the fact that, you know, it's been, you know, we had close to 400 people live concurrently for four hours on this call. And the fact is that we got our message out, whether they like it or not, they had to cover us, right? So the important thing to understand here is that there are people who will 
the establishment creates its false gods every every two years. Trump didn't work out. Okay, we need another one. Elon Musk. And historically, what happens is the false gods, people move to the left and the right, left and the right. Our movement is here and we're here to stay. It is our movement that exposed Fauci first. And they can't now, four, two years later, they talk about Fauci. But the thing is, we recorded all of it. So now they look like dumb shits. Mm -hmm. We was our movement, but exposed government censorship infrastructure three years ago. Tucker Carlson, we have all the data to expose him. You see, if we had said Tucker Carlson was a grifter two years ago, no one would have believed us. But now we have the documentation. We sent him this. He didn't cover it. And we have him saying, oh, my God, two years later, I can't believe the censorship infrastructure exists. Tucker, I have this email I sent you. You're a bullshitter. So mm -hmm. our movement, which is independent of left and right, is exposing these people every day, step by step by step. Mm -hmm. Now, what they want people to do, say, oh, my God, they're so powerful. No one's getting it. No, that's not true. John Medlar's getting it. Julie, you and I just met today. You got it. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of smart people who are getting it. And the only way to get more people getting it is to have this conversation. Door to door. Conversations. That is how we win. And that is how we are winning. We've won lawsuits. We've exposed people. But historically a movement like ours does not exist so people get confused by mahatma gandhi who hijacks movements or martin luther king or al sharpton or aoc or elon musk but we're calling those people out and more every day that goes by people build massive respect for what we're doing and a movement like ours should have happened about 50 years ago so we have to do that dirty work. So when people say, oh my God, no one's getting it. It's like you're lazy and you're thinking someone else is gonna do the work and you think things just happen overnight. No, you have to do the work. This conversation is doing the work. John and I have not eaten dinner. It's fine. Mm -hmm. We've been on this call for what? Three, three hours. Three hours and 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. but that is what it's gonna take. And the movement needs to be built individual by individual by individual raising people's consciousness. And you don't need everyone. You need about, you know, 10,000 John Medlars and it's over. Yep. Because you're creating a bunch of gurus. It's not just one individual. Mm -hmm. And they do not want people to do that. They want people to say, oh my God, Robert Kennedy is going to save us. Bullshit. He's a bastard. Oh my God, Trump is going to save us. Full of shit. That thinking is what has gotten us here. Speaking of which, I have a comment from David who's saying, never put your trust in man question at all. I would think Dr. Shiva wouldn't want anyone blindly following him either, but research and prove what is right. David's right, David's right on the money. We get Occasionally, we get a lot of people that'll say, oh, Dr. Shiva, thank you. You're so great. You're so often. It's like, okay, you're welcome. Now now get your now get, get off your ass. Yeah. Yeah. Facts, science, and data. What I tell people is you <laughs> learn the stuff. I'm just a catalyst mm -hmm. who is very fortunate to learn this and also very fortunate to not sell out. So I put all this knowledge together, the science, but the goal is each one of you must learn, teach, and serve. We, you got to learn it, and then you got to teach it. The people say, oh, thank you so much, Dr. Shiva. I said, look, that's only part one. Now you have to learn it so I don't get burned out, you know? <laughs> we have to create a movement. It's a raising of consciousness. But anyway, I think we've covered a lot. We went through close to 36 calls, okay? I, and we've had, you know, close to, I don't know, tons of comments, tons of interaction, but this is what it's going to take. 
And we know our stuff gets out there because when we expose Elon Musk, then he put us on thinking he was going to pacify us. Okay. And when, when the Twitter files guys call, called me, we reamed them out. Why aren't you covering our lawsuit? Because they want to talk about crap over here. They don't want to talk about the real domestic censorship infrastructure, which is still in place, fully intact to Twitter. So anyway, everyone, Julie, I want to, um, let me, uh, Julie, I want to thank you. Uh, you were wonderful. I'm very glad. Um, and by the way, I, I read all my tweets. I've gotten probably thousand phone calls. I try to get back to every chat. We don't have secretaries doing it. People are shocked. Oh my God, did you really put that number? Is that your phone number? Yeah, you can call me 617-631-6874. This is a bottoms up movement, which means I'm not living in some ivory tower with 20 secretaries. You call me, I'll pick up the phone. So tomorrow we have our orientation. We'll spend three hours on each one. It's going to be a full day. Plus I run my companies. Everyone in our movement works for a full time. They're not funded like Robert Kennedy Children's Defense Fund, you know, money. And then they, no, we're not NPR. We're, everyone works and we do this. And that's a real movement. So come tomorrow, get your butts off your seats and start contributing. No one else is going to do it. It's going to be us raising our consciousness, having these very delicate, important conversations. So today we talked about white supremacy. And I think people got a lot out of it because we took people from this buckets because the elites want to say, oh, white supremacy means this, you know, or this means this, this means this. We got to break down all those walls because that is the manipulation. Um, so, uh, Julie, would you like to make any final comments before you? Um, I just yes. appreciate the opportunity and I appreciate you getting the message out there. And it does take, um, it does take action and a commitment. And I think that just spreading the word and um, being committed is the bottom up movement. I agree. Yeah, truth, so truthfreedomhealth.com, we've put together the courses, the community, the infrastructure, so people actually learn and they can teach other people. Mm -hmm. So John, go ahead, John. I, my closing message would just be great. If you got it, get off your butts, come to the orientation. Um, uh, learn about learn about what we're what we're building, and uh, but yeah, get 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 active because the movement's not going to continue building itself. We need a lot more Dr. Shiva's, a lot more you know John Medlar's, like he says, a lot more. Like you look at a lot of the people in our in our comments there. I see a lot of familiar faces, people that I that come to the meetings a lot that are very active on the ground. People like uh, people like Jamie who's inviting people to open house here. Um, uh, people like uh, Crystal and Heather. There's the, the, these are the, these are people that came that came, that basically came into our movement all all merit it's it's all meritocracy people like it's we it, it, we don't have ranks so much here as we have yeah, like, the, the bottom line is we need to build a movement yeah and that and that infra, well we have built a movement we need to grow the movement now yeah and the reason I do these videos is like taking on white supremacy as a topic you have to have certain tools to discuss it, and I think we've done that well. And we'll have more discussions on this and we want more people to participate. And the key thing I think as people leave here is to recognize that we had a discussion on a very important topic that typically five people at Harvard get around a boardroom and they discuss and they write in their journals and they decide what is white supremacy. And then they confuse it so much. By the time you're done, 
you don't want to talk about white supremacy. That's the effect they want to have. So the thing I want people to leave with is we have to talk about white supremacy. Step one, we should not cower. And step two, we should use that very powerful term against the real white supremacists. No different. I think someone said the Yankee doodle example, right? No different than when it is imperialism, which goes and does all this terrorism. We should call them terrorists. And that's what they don't want you to do. But once you do that, that's liberation. So whether you're white or black, we're all working people. We, you know, need to fight bottoms up and recognize that the real white supremacists want to want to make white people feel bad. That's what they're really doing. So other people call you white supremacists. Why they get away? So white, black, use the term white supremacists recognize that anyone who has a visceral reaction in the case of the invention of email, right? If we go back to that, anyone has this visceral reaction to seeing a brown immigrant kid saying he invented email, and you'll see them online. Those people are the real brainwashed white supremacists. And we, whether you're white, black, need to expose that and fight that. So anyway, it's a huge opportunity that we have because our movement exists, because we can have these conversations. So I welcome everyone to come tomorrow to our orientation. Um, and by the way, I'll be doing um, some more uh, medical videos. Uh, you know, we did some of the earliest videos on the immune system and we'll keep doing that. We're gonna, I'm gonna do a whole immune system video since winter is here. It's old stuff, but it's still very valid stuff on what are the important nutrients you can take in the winter time to support your immune system? You know, the garlic, the quercetin, the D3, the zinc, um, a couple of other things we'll talk about, but these are very powerful things that are necessary from a system standpoint. All right, both of you stay here. So thank you, everyone. I hope this is valuable. Be well. Hey, John, on Instagram, you're gonna have to delete what I did because something happened and then repost everything. Can you do that, John? Yep. Okay, thank you, everyone. Be well, be the light. And um, I wish you all a good night. Thank <laughs> you.